Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. You want me to dummy you again? Get the fuck out of that net. I'll break your fucking face. Buddy, I dummy you once. You want me to dummy you twice? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. I am your host, DJ Patty Cake. As always, joined by DJ Uncle Matt here in the WXCI 91.7 Danbury Studios. We are streaming right now on WXCI.org. And today is our first show for the month of March. And as some of you Danbury faithful may know, um, this March marks the 10-year anniversary of the Danbury Whalers winning the Commissioner's Cup back in the 2012-2013 season. Specifically, it was March 22nd is when they won that. But this month, you may have seen on the socials, we changed the colors in our logo a bit to reflect that. And we're going to be having special guests on every week from that championship team to talk about, you know, give a little background on them, what they've been up to since, and, you know, some of their best memories from that run. Um, It's going to be a pretty exciting month as, you know, starting it off pretty hot in this show. We got Mike Brown, who was the goaltender that season, the main starting goaltender, um, also team captain. So you're going to hear a lot from him, and he's doing pretty well as of late. And, um, yeah, definitely stick around this month for that. Yeah, I go back to that time myself. I remember the launch of the Danbury Whalers, and uh, the, the the story is really fantastic. Somebody that we should get on here to tell his part would be uh, Dom Alessandro, too, because he, he also did the Danbury Whalers logo. But, I mean, just the, the championship season was something else, and um, it's really been a great part of history, and it's been fun uh, reliving it a little bit. Yeah, and then recently we've also seen, in terms of league news, Um, Nikita Ivashkin from the Binghamton Black Bears was suspended um, for the rest of the season by the league. Reasons unknown. Um, You know, hopefully it's nothing too serious, but apparently it violated something with league policy. So it could be a multitude of things or just one thing. Um, But we've also taken notice that since he's been gone... um, Team's on a skid. Yeah, so... You know, he could be one big guy that makes a difference for that team, which, I mean, in terms for us, is great because that separates us in the standings a bit and, you know, just kind of makes it a bit, I guess, easier to navigate this team. Yeah, definitely uh, a lot of rumors are going around out there. This is an indefinite suspension, so it does not seem like he'll be back too quickly. Um, but. I can tell you that it does seem like it changed the makeup of that Binghamton team. Uh, they caught a bad loss last night uh, down in Mississippi, I think. Yeah, it was a 6-4 loss um, to the start of this road trip that runs all the way till I believe, the 18th. Is when yeah, they come I believe back. they have to go back down south next week. I don't know. We looked at this. Well, no, they go from there to Carolina and then up to, um, I think, Delaware, Columbus, one of those two. But either way, they're, they're on a road run right now through the south it's, so it's, it's definitely going to be a tough stretch for them and it's we looked at this part of their schedule when i accompanied the team to binghamton uh matt voidy uh billy mccrary and myself we kind of just took note 
of a bl- brutal road swing for Binghamton right now. So uh, that coupled with the idea that Ivashkin uh, is out, um, it's definitely you know it's definitely made a difference, and it, it, it's not not too hard to see. Exactly, and then also. Uh, tomorrow or today, depending on when you're hearing this, uh, March 3rd to be specific, um, Rough and Rowdy is going to be happening, and our boy Amesbury will be fighting in that. So we're going to be wishing the best of luck to him, and chances are he's going to kick this guy's ass. I mean, Strawberry Cowboy has never fought really like at this level. He doesn't have a record, and I tried looking him up, nothing on the guy. So this guy might just kind of be a one-time chump, you know what I mean? It does seem like... Uh you know, Danny Amesbury, who's been on the show a few times here at WXCI, uh, it, it seems like he's been uh, given the opportunity to showcase. So let's see what he comes out with. The guy does not look like he, just based on the one photograph we saw, uh, does not look like he can physically match up to the kind of conditioning and the kind of training uh, Danny's been doing here since he came to Danbury at Champs Boxing Club. Um, but, you know, it. It'll be interesting to see the outcome of that. And I know it's going to be, is that Friday night? Yes, Friday night. Um, Hopefully it'll be similar to last time where he was kind of one of the last cards on the undercard, or last fights rather. Um, So hopefully it'll be able to see it, you know, after the game ends. Um, Hopefully that'll be on the Axtrix Lounge. Yeah, I believe it is um i was i was told that it will be so if you do end up going to the game it'll be there and you'll be able to watch the fight from beginning to end so if you want to see any other ones you're more than welcome but the main fight that everyone's going to be waiting for um we're not sure when it's going to be but it'll be broadcasted there awesome awesome now last weekend um we absolutely pummeled port huron at home oof um yeah, wearing the Ronald McDonald uh, third jerseys. I'm loving it. Yeah, that they weren't loving it though. Um, yeah, I not much to say there. I mean, that team has been able to steal some wins away, like as you've mentioned, from some top teams, and we just didn't let them get to us, and we were just rolling on them every both nights, even. Yeah, I know they flew into New York City, and it's a it's a pretty brutal trek on the bus uh, if you were gonna do that type of transportation but what i think happened here is it's just uh, the hat tricks have been on a roll things are clicking johnny ruiz came back and on saturday night put together just an incredible performance one that i'm going to remember for a very long time i had the privilege of being in the the booth and the penalty box with you mm-hmm. uh as well as dre and i forget the other guy's name that works the box um but uh that's going to be a night to remember uh, at Danbury Arena, and I want to congratulate John on that because he's, uh, you know, he's always so focused out there. And I know he was coming off an injury, so it was good to see him put on that type of show. And and you know what? That's that's the type of performance where everybody that that came out got their money's worth for sure. Exactly. And then this weekend, well, uh, I also want to give a shout out to Dustin Henning, who put on, yes. a, who stepped up to Amesbury and. Dustin Henning is a good dude who's been in the, the Federal Prospects Hockey League for a very long time. Um, the only guy who's been around longer than him is probably me and uh, Mo Levac. So uh, it was great to see uh, uh, Dusty out there still doing his thing, you know, and uh, they, they put on a good show. 
Exactly. And then next week, we got home game on Friday against Elmira, and then they travel to Elmira the next Saturday. I'll be hopping on the bus for that trip. Um, so I'm excited to see this. I mean, last time we faced these guys, we beat them twice in a row. It was a 6-2 game and a 6-3 game. So, you know, I'm I'm expecting kind of the same outcome. I mean, you have a few other moving pieces that I got over there. I mean, you got Schmidt now. Um, obviously, our boy Luke Richards is playing over there now, getting more opportunities on the power play. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if these new additions to Elmira really affect this game. Yeah, let's see what happens. I think they just picked up a goalie today. Okay. Uh, I think it was a guy from Port Heron. Oh, all right. The, gotcha. Rodrigue, uh, I think that was his name. Yeah, Rodrigue. I think Rodrigue, yeah, I think that was the guy who picked up um, who was picked up in a trade. So listen, uh, things are always happening in this league. It seemed like there was a lot of action, uh, not only in the NHL trade deadline, but around this time to see how teams change very quickly before the playoffs. I, I, li- I like seeing what Elmira's doing. They're trying to make a good team happen. They're putting a little effort into it, uh, you know. So uh, let's see what happens. It's, it's very interesting now that Ivashkin is out, and Elmira's trying to scrap away at wins, even though haven't been too successful. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting as the season closes out here, the next dozen games or so. Yeah, and I have nothing else to say for right now. But make sure to stay tuned. We got Mike Marchesan on the show this week, returning, and we have Chris Lynch as well, in addition to previously mentioned mike brown so stay tuned for a fantastic episode ladies and gentlemen welcome to hattrick city i'm your host dj patty cake as always joined by dj uncle matt today in the studio we are welcoming back michael marchison mike how are we doing today excellent thanks for having me Glad of to be course back. mike it's good to see you we had a little bit of technical difficulties when we had our first show recorded a little too little too low yeah yeah i, I uh I think that was kind of on my part too, though being a little no, shy. No, no, no. I mean, you did you did fine. Um, that was on our end, but you know, we're glad to have you back again. And obviously, you've you know been with the team a little longer. That was back in December. It's been you know a little over two months now. So, you know, take us through what have you been up to for the past two months? I mean, besides just being kick ass. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, just ramping up for playoffs. Uh, everyone's getting dialed in. Like the last two or three weeks, we've been in playoff mode realistically like we've been hitting the gym everyone's doing these certain things as a team we're getting closer and closer just because playoffs around the corner and we don't want anything to mess it up and i think right now we're on a four game win streak and it's like the perfect time to be getting in a stride again hitting uh hitting a nice win streak before going into playoffs exactly i heard that you guys have been doing some yoga have you been participating oh i am front row at that (laughs) i i try my best i'm not the most flexible but uh, me, Gordy, usually Gonzo, right in the front row. Everyone else, I don't know if they're really doing it or not. But I try to get better at yoga, but I kind of like it. It's not bad. Did you ever have any experience with it before? Uh, no. We used to do it in the in the hotel gym. Like, just put a video on, like, earlier this year in Danbury. And we just really? It. Yeah. Yeah, we would watch it and do it. Yeah, would always pull up a video, like a 10, 20-minute video, and get it over with once a week. Yeah. Try to get the body feel good. I uh, I was by practice for like 30 seconds today, so you guys skating around a bit. It looked like you guys were going pretty hard at it. What what was going on today? Uh, so we had yesterday off as an optional because our bodies are super sore, but today we're getting into systems and like other plays we can have defensively and uh, 
really just trying to get her legs back under us before going into this weekend. What about um, these these last couple of games that we just had right here? Take us through, you know, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, Friday, Port Huron, like uh, we knew that there are no teams that like take lightly. They've te- beaten top teams. I have a buddy on that team too. He's like, yeah, we usually play really well against top teams. So we knew we had to come in and play our game and grittier because they're not really a hitting team. They're playing more beer league style, from for lack of better words. But we hit them like we just beat them up really I think Friday we had a 4-1 win and um, I don't think they wanted to show up Saturday at all like a couple of guys like during the game were just like yeah I just want to get out of here and it's like don't tell me that man like I'm just gonna go harder <laughs> but um, yeah then we Saturday came in we got seven up on them and then that 25 minute kind of gutless hit on J-Mac and yeah. started the fireworks pretty gutless hit especially in a game where it seemed like uh Port Heron almost needed a little mercy there uh, at some point. What 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 kind of happened there? Um, so, like, I was on the bench. I just got off a shift, and I was drinking water. I didn't even notice. But then I saw it on the replay. Like, the puck went up to J-Mac, and he went to chip it, and the guy just buried him from behind for no reason. He was, like, yipping at us both two games, but, you know, he, saw he wasn't going to do anything. He's just trying to get in our head or something and wouldn't answer the bell. But luckily we see them at the end of the season. I'm sure we're going to get some redemption for that. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you're you just under a point per game right now. I think you're in 33 games played and, and 32 points. You know, how how much of this transition from kind of junior hockey, I guess you were in kind of an outlaw junior league there, uh, like how much of the game is different? Uh, yeah, so that last year I uh, I lost my 20-year-old year, so I had to play – wanted to play somewhere so I played in that outlaw league it's a lot of younger guys in that league so it's just playing with men right now really and learning other things like where to chip the puck in is like little things that you would never even expect in like junior hockey like you wouldn't learn that at all and you see these guys like once I'd get caught up on a going backwards being like the one of the last guys at a D and Jurich on Binghamton like just dumped the puck in the corner and I was like oh crap like I got to turn around and get this thing. Yeah. And I have like no experience of doing that. So it was a smart play like that. Just like little systems that you have to work on and, and no rebounds where they're coming. I feel like we're in junior, you can kind of like freelance it a bit and just go after it and go end to end sometimes if you wanted to. But power plays are definitely, definitely huge in pro hockey too. Something that sticks out in my mind um, that I wanted to kind of, ask you about was you know you had a couple of games earlier in the season with Binghamton mm. and then you came to Danbury and my question is um like when you go from one team to another so quickly like that is there an opportunity to kind of reset and do things a little different and did you take anything from that experience and you say all right when I come to Danbury maybe I'll do it a little bit differently yeah yeah for sure so I came into Binghamton um after Hansel with J-Mac and uh, didn't work out there at all, really, long story short. So then I texted Billy immediately. And he's like, yeah, I'll let you know. And I like, uh, went home for like a week or two and just started training again, getting back into it. And I was thinking, like, maybe I'm not good enough to be on the top line or whatever. And so I'd have to just work on, like, little other things that I can get myself in the lineup and work my way up from there. And then when I got to Danbury, it just everyone's open arms everyone wants you to do well so it was very easy transition from Binghamton to Danbury what's the stuff that you've 
dedicated like that practice time or that extra ice time to working on you personally? Um, I love uh, keeping my head up in like tight turns because as a big body, it's kind of harder to do. So I like transitioning and like trying to use my feet more. And I'd like to think I'm like a pretty quick uh, big guy that moves my feet well. But um, I love to work on my shot too as well from outside because most of my goals this year have been from six feet around the crease or like shots from tops of circles. But I'd like to like trying to get loose, trying to get free off of bodies, especially like Johnny does it very well. Like he'll skate and um, he can blow by guys and make a quick move and get around them and score. Like you saw Saturday night, he had four goals, like unreal comeback from him after being injured. Incredible, really incredible performance. And uh, I was, I was glad to be there to witness that. Like um, John worked so hard and he's so committed to hockey and um, I, I really am inspired by his work ethic in some ways. So for, for him to come out at home and, and to give that type of a performance, uh, and he reached his 100th goal. Yeah, and Danbury yeah. for Danbury. For Danbury. Right? Yeah. For Danbury. Uh, it's unreal. Because I, I guess he played some games with Elmira during the um, the lockout year or whatever that was. Yeah, the, the pandemic year. The pandemic whatever. year. Um, but that was something. It was something to watch, especially when he got that 100th goal because uh, I was in the penalty box, um, actually, uh, standing right next to Pat, and the scramble to get the puck was kind of funny yeah. uh, to watch. But, um, no, that it's, it, it was really a, a great weekend for Danbury Hockey, too. Yeah, It's good to see him, like too, especially at practice. Like He works his ass off, and for the last like two weeks, he's been – hurt with his shoulder like going no shoulder pads and upper body just trying to get his legs moving and to see him do that it was really special i thought of course and then i gotta ask about last weekend you know at the split road series against binghamton and watertown um mm-hmm. what was it like having the fans there for that friday night game it was packed it was probably one of the most electric buildings i've ever been in besides that danbury carolina game that was special but that was second to none too um, everyone's booing you, and they had signs like just crazy signs, like <laughs> ripping us apart. One shirt was like chirping Johnny. Like a, a fan in Binghamton made a shirt, it's like making fun of Johnny. And I was like, oh my god, he took time out of your day. It to said do that. Ruiz plays with balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That was it. That was yeah, yeah, right behind our bench, and they're giving it to you the whole entire time. But what a great comeback that was, and like a feeling just. Point five seconds left or whatever it was just yeah, it was to shut 4. them 2 up. Seconds. I gotta be honest, yeah. it's it's a great rivalry. It's like yeah. great, like except for the throwing the beer at us, which was really stupid. Like, yeah, like, every, everything else is great. Like they they've got a great downtown barn, and uh, last year some of their fans came out here, and that was cool. We we got to meet some decent people. We got to meet one of the players, uh, father and brother. Oh yeah. Uh, so like I said. It, it was a really great rivalry. One of the things that um, is going to stick with me for a while was when we had Brendan Dowler and Lugo, uh, Evan Lugo on the show. Uh, I think we talked about it for, yeah, we did, right? We, uh, Pat, we talked about the largest crowds they ever played in front. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I think, you know, um, Dowler said it was like a couple hundred people in college or something like that. Lugo, kind of like, you know, a, a packed house at a practice rink for a, for a college game, I think he said, was like 400 people also. But then, you know, um, there was this moment where I was on the bench in Binghamton, and uh, they were announcing 
over the loudspeaker the attendance, and Dowler had his head down, and he turned over to turned to me and he was like what did they say how many did they say and I just pointed up because they had it on the jump it was over 4,400 people <laughs> so absurd. it's really absurd and I um, I said something to Billy McCreary and uh, Steve Brown on Saturday night was that when Billy and Steve were on opposite teams Billy was playing for the New Jersey Outlaws and Steve Brown was playing for the old Cape Cod Bluefins which they had beautiful jerseys they were like well run for like a season and a half and the wheels fell off there but I went to go see the New Jersey Outlaws play the Bluefins in New Jersey Wayne New Jersey and the Bluefins are in practice jerseys and they're soaking wet oh my god and the, the New Jersey team has a packed house, but there's only 250 or 300 seats. Really? Yeah. And and I said to myself, I told Billy and Steve on Saturday night, I said, I said to myself, this is never going to last. Yeah. And here we are 10, 12 years later. Uh, and it's, it's pr- it is very much alive and it's very much lasted. But the, the league has grown so much, but it hasn't grown past jersey issues because Elmira played last week with some uh, local roller hockey jerseys in <laughs> in Michigan I guess that was against Motor City was it yeah yeah, yeah it was the Frazier something roller hockey jerseys um they were like this light blue with purple it just that didn't work I'm I want to say that the um the Danville Dashers or the Prowlers I'm pretty sure it was the Dashers yeah it was Dashers no, but it was Boy, either the Danville Dashers or the Port Heron Prowlers. Maybe it was the Prowlers. Like, Mafuz was on the team. And for, like, the first 10 games, they wore jerseys and socks from, like, some random junior hockey team that had failed. Are you kidding me? Literally, like, like even worse than when we had to wear the NA3 jerseys on opening night. This is, like, straight up some team in some other country. It was literally, like, some Canadian team, like a full set of jerseys and socks for, for some random... Mafuz had, like, a like a really good pick of him once taken taken in it, uh, like, a, like a pick that they used to promote the team or whatever. It was really mm-hmm. crazy. So I've se- we've pretty much seen it all in this league but uh what did you think about the jerseys we wore saturday night with the white shoulders See, everyone's getting mixed reviews on them i kind of like them they kind of look like the flyers jerseys um j mac didn't like them he said he said i liked them i think but he's like yeah you know i don't really like the white shoulders i liked when they were all dark like i think it's 50 50 split in the room i kind of yeah. like them though no, I like them too. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm one for all black. That works too. But mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see just a little, even a little contrast, yeah. you know, because we we wore those for the first half of the season, so it's nice to get a little change in there halfway through. Yeah. Um, but you know, just what is your favorite jersey you've worn this season? Because I know we've done a few special ones and those combined. Hmm. I like to think the all black for sure. All black. Yeah, I think they're so crisp and clean. I loved them. Yeah, I got a cool Instagram pic of it too. I, I really have to say I like the New Haven. I always like the New Haven Nighthawks ones. Um, I know some people aren't into the subliminal, um, subliminated, uh, whatever you call oh, it. Oh, the sublimated. Sublimated uh, jersey, mm. whatever you call it, the yeah, su- yeah. sublimated uh, jersey, yeah. but. Um, 
I don't know, man. Like, I think for our purposes at the Fed level, I mean, maybe there's a difference in the price that it comes out to when you when you put it up for auction. But there's just so much you can do. Yeah. We, you, we like I, I I think that we have a cool New Haven Nighthawks one. It's it's crispy looking. It's a clean look this year. I like the one we had last year, which was gifted to me by uh, by one Herm. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a gift, and it's a it was a rare one too, and I really appreciated that. Uh, I love TKs, so it has a TKs yeah. logo on it, so it's, yeah. like, it's like a no brainer for me. But um, this year was cool. I just love to see us do more of that. If it's gonna be, if it's get like just to make, and like I I have heard complaints from some fans that really just love that tackle and twill. They want the tackle and twill no matter what. And I mm-hmm. think that's cool, too. But I'll be honest with you. Like, my brother's a college basketball coach, and those guys don't wear a tackle and twill as much as you think anymore. Not really at all. Like, yeah. it's all sublimated. It's all meant to be stay dry, and it's all meant to be weightless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Those the, jerseys were so light to wear. I think that's the I think that's the thing. And my my whole thing is maybe we just need to do more with the design next mm-hmm. time. Like, we, we Danbury could have a sick Patrick's Day jersey. We could have oh. a sick... Oh, yeah. Like, we could have a sick, especially with the rabbit and all yeah, that. We that could have be, a sick. That would be cool. It's just about the design when you're using the sublimated stuff, you know? Yeah, 100%. That's a great idea. Especially, and, you know, we have the alumni night coming up, and there's some rumors about the jersey. Have you heard anything that we I have might not. not have? Okay. I feel like I'd be one of the last to know. <laughs> I'd have to start digging around, maybe ask Billy, but he might just laugh it off to me. The only one who probably knows what's actually going to be ordered is Herm. Yeah, yeah. So, that's <laughs> true. He's the only one. That's uh, a very good point. So at that at that point, um, but I I really like the New Haven. What, what was yours, Pat? Uh, this season, I I really like those Nighthawks jerseys too. Yeah. They're those are fun always. Even last year, I liked them too with the gray. That was cool. Yeah. And I but think- actually, you know what? Last season, though, I like those Trasher jerseys. I saw that was, those. Those are cool. Were fun. So those were fun. Sick. Those were cool. I I I think that like uh, there's just so much you can you can do when you do these supply. The problem is 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 you know you have to time it right, and the problem with the sublimated, I think, and I I really don't know everything, but. I guess the problem would be is if you sublim- uh you got a guy's name on the back of the jersey, it's harder to take off or it's harder to cover. That's true. You yeah. know, if, if a guy moves around. But <laughs> but at the same time, I, I still think that there's – I mean, I, you could probably do those – I mean, you, you could probably get it done somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you just did different type of lettering, I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I think the Nighthawks one was really cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Are there any other games you're looking forward to? I mean – even besides from, you know, special themes or even just a team you're looking forward to playing? Um, hmm. I'm looking forward to playing Watertown again because I feel like we still haven't bested them. And uh, it's always been a close game, but I really want to dominate them one game and just take the life out of them, especially going into playoffs. I feel like they've always stuck around and somehow made it a close game. And except for that one, I guess it was like a 4-1 game. We played them in our barn, but still, I don't think it's good enough. I think that's the team I'm looking forward to playing the most. And you're going to have that opportunity next weekend, which will be the 10th and the 11th, both road games. And you'll actually play them on the road again on the 17th mm-hmm. and then home. So after this Friday night, March 3rd's home game, you have one game against Elmira on March 4th, uh, 10th and 11th against Watertown, 17th against Watertown on the road, and then the 18th at home against Watertown. So we're really finishing up the season here. 
uh, getting down to the last 15 games, I guess, or so of, of, of what we have left. Um, how, how do you feel about the schedule? Do you like a midweek game once in a while? Or? I would love that. Yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, all on the weekends is nice, too, because you guess you get to relax and get your body recovering for the week, but a nice midweek uh, game would not be bad at all. Do you do any of the other – you guys ever talk about that as a team, that there might be a good chance to get into – because we only really had – Looking at the schedule, we only had that one uh, home game, at least, in December. Mm-hmm. And then there was a Wednesday night game in November in Binghamton. Yeah, I remember that. I believe Bingo has had a couple of those. They have one tomorrow against um, Mississippi, I believe. I think in, they're probably just used to it from that AHL schedule, right, yeah. of having Wednesday games. and yeah. There's a lot of Wednesday games in the AHL, right, Pat? Yeah, um, there's a decent amount. I mean, you know, towards the end of the season, it's becoming more weekend focused. But um, like this week, like when you're hearing this, there'll be a game going on uh, like now against Providence. And then the next one's like a Saturday and a Sunday. So that season's starting to go down too. Yeah, but to answer your question, no, we don't really talk about that. I feel like that doesn't get brought up too much. It's more just everyone's used to the weekend schedule, I guess. But I personally wouldn't mind a week game. No, it, it it really is interesting how the league is cut back on that. Because even at the very beginning, there were midweek games, and I, it didn't always seem to make sense to me, especially in a place like when the league started in Brooklyn. Forget it. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think they played a ton of midweek games, but there were some on the schedule. It just didn't make any sense. There's nobody to come out and see these games. Yeah, I mean, they would have been better off renting beer league ice, I think, at that time, <laughs> uh, back in those days. But it, it just goes to show you, you know, the, the crowds are getting bigger. And the crowd, I think... This weekend was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the stands were really packed. There's a certain energy. Um, you know, Ira Schwartz, uh, who's been listening to the show, he's an old-school Danbury hockey fan, uh, kind of due to some crap. He, he really just hadn't been to a Danbury game in about 10 years, but he's back. Oh, good. Wow. And, he's, good, good. and he's back like right back into the swing of things and something that he that really stood out to me um you know he, he went to a lot of ahl games and i think that he's almost in and i say it as a friend of mine you know is he's almost in shock right now yeah like really. you know like yeah like when your body gets shocked by something that like you, you didn't remember or you didn't think yeah. about like i think he's back in the building and he's just like wow the energy in here is just so totally different and I've, I've, I talk about this on the show a lot, and, and I think Pat and I have talked about it too. It's like the energy in that small building mm-hmm. when there's a tense game and there's a fight. I mean, the energy when Amesbury and Dustin Henning squared off was just incredible. Like, everyone's standing, everyone's screaming, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's That was really good. But then the tension through the rest of the game, I mean, even even though the score was pretty lopsided, the, the, it was... It was a lot of fight from both sides. You know, you, you get a different level of hockey here. It's it's a much tougher brand of hockey. Guys are playing for different reasons. I think the championship means more mm-hmm. uh, to the guys in a league like this sometimes, I think. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, I think I think everybody's here to play for a championship. And that the fans as well. You know, like there's there's a lot of these fans. I, again, I, I, I know that. Everybody has their own fan base and stuff like that. I just can't imagine many teams in higher leagues having closer relationships than our fans do 
in Danbury with the players and stuff yeah. like I mean, it's incredible. Some of the information that goes back and forth and some of the things that the fans do um, here is just uh, – I just think it's it's what comes alive on game night. It all just comes, comes to a point on game night and explodes, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And to touch on that too, my roommate uh, Riley Robertson – he got a uh, 05 Trashers jersey the other night from a fan. Completely oh, really? signed by the whole team. And I was oh. like, are you kidding me? I was like, you're not going to wear that. Just give it to me. And he just laughed <laughs> it off. But just insane. Like, a, my mouth dropped. I was like, you got that from a fan? He's like, yeah. I was like, the fan that bought my jersey. And I was baffled by it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I wonder who that was. We should have that person on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Ask how they got that, you know, that whole jersey signed like that. I mean, from back in the day, they must have been around. So, who, Mike, who are the guys on the team that you spend the most time with? Um, it would be J Mac, probably J Mac, Yao, uh, Oj, Ojek, uh, Flanga, Trixie, and like Robertson. Did you guys go down to the city? Did you go to the city? Yeah, we went. was that your first time ever? Yeah. What was it like? It was it was a shock to be honest. Like, Times Square is insane. Yeah. It was just so cool to be there. I was such a tourist. Just with my phone out and everything, but um, it was it was awesome. It's kind of like people say, like a little dirtier New York or Toronto, excuse me. But I don't know if that's very true. It's there's a lot more different than Toronto. It's so more historic, older. Central Park's pretty cool too. You know, a friend of mine um, works with Drake. Uh, a good a good friend of mine that I went to high school with. He does a lot with Drake's clothing line, and he posted a picture the other day. Of all these old school, like early 2000s, late 90s fitted baseball caps. Really? Like all crazy teams and like crazy colors, NBA, like all the gaudy logos from back in the day. And I was like, bro, where's that at? Like, like I thought it was like uptown, like it was in Manhattan. He's like, yo, Toronto. I was yeah. like, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Because I thought it was like in Brooklyn somewhere. I was like, I got to go down there. Like, you know, like the sick, like, giant Chicago Bulls logo on the hat yeah. or whatever it was. But but uh, Toronto's a cool city, man. Yeah. Like, the, it, it, that's something I want to ask you, too. Like, you, you plan to go home in the off season. Where are you going to work? Like, where are you going to work out and stuff? Uh, so, usually uh, I go home back to Burlington, like, 45 minutes away from Toronto and Niagara Falls. It's right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And um, I usually do construction landscaping in the summer, so I'll work that and then fly right to hockey after that or mid shift and then fly back to work and then work out really that's what i what's your home rink like where do you do your skating and stuff um my home rink's in appleby but i'm kind of everywhere right now it's in hamilton like stony creek which is like 15 minutes away or i this trainer i've been training with since i was 16 too i have two trainers um all the way in toronto and so that guy, he'll get, like, NHL players out, too. Like, I've tr- skated with Mario Ferrero on the Sharks. Yeah. Um, Man Penny when he was in uh, the Barry. Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, just getting into the NHL. And um, Sorelli, too. Sorelli on Tampa wow. Bay. Yeah, so that was cool. Not as much anymore with him, but last summer I just found another trainer, Matt Carey. And he was with the Chicago Bulls, and he's been everywhere, and he's a really good trainer. I learned a lot over the summer. and gained a lot more tools in my bag what's your hometown like where are you actually from <clears throat> burlington so i was born in toronto and i lived there the first six months of my life which obviously i don't remember <laughs> but then uh, my parents moved to burlington and it's like two hundred thousand people there it's like kind of it's a city but i live on like the northern outskirts part in the suburbs just uh 
city, which I don't really know how to describe it. There's a really nice downtown. Um, it's older. It used to be like a farm town, but now not even close. It's a full-blown city. Wow. Yeah. What What's like the nearest hockey team that everybody knows? Uh, well, like OHL would be Hamilton, which would next city over. Yeah, and yeah. then there's a junior A team, Burlington Cougars. In the okay. OJ. Did you ever try out for them or get involved with them? or? Uh, see, I did when I think I was 17 years old. And then I went to, uh, ended up in Pelham, like outskirts Niagara Falls. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? That is a small town that like brand new rink. Like I could show you pictures after it's, it's a beautiful facility. And I met my best friends there, like great guys. But, um, we had this one game. It was like, uh, Tim Hortons day, <laughs> free tickets. <laughs> and it was like, I think there was like 3000 seats there and it was packed. Wow. Just, that was probably like the biggest game I've played in before being in the fed for did sure did you live with billets or where did you live yep yeah it was, it's, so it's about like uh an hour 20 drive to my house i could have really drove there but i billeted for the first year i went to high school there at notre dame for a returning year just for like a course or two and then um then i went back there the next year and i just drove wow yeah so what what's it like when you're trying to look for a place to play kind of from a level like that was it were you thinking about going to college what was your trajectory so i went to um before that year i went to the flint firebirds camp in the ohl and i didn't make the team and uh my dad was really he's my biggest supporter and he'll help me he was searching up teams like i really didn't do anything he'd help me out so much and he's like yeah what about this team michael what about you like showing me teams and he'd show me the top teams in each league and like where players are going from these leagues and like how they're D1 guys too going from the Goge or like a lot of OHL drops go there in the GOJHL and um, then he showed me Pelham he's like yeah great year great team to start they're not the top team they're kind of a middle pack and um, you can start your junior career off there and put up numbers and hopefully move on and keep going up but we ended up having a fully aged out team like nine guys and we went pretty far and we lost to Niagara Falls in the second round but that's crazy it was a great experience yeah and and when what was like I, I guess what I meant to ask what was your decision to turn pro like what was it, you kind of running out of options at your age or you didn't want to go to school or yeah I didn't want to go to school because I was taking I still am online uh, courses at Brock University I would like to go on that team but they have a fully uh loaded roster with like OHL guys and everything so I didn't think I'd get a fair shot there so I didn't even try out and um, I was messaging RIT at one point but then the COVID year happened and that fell through so then I was like I could either go to Europe or try in the SPHL and my coach last year was telling me a lot about that league and how guys go to the coast so it was intriguing and then I uh, ended up here. Where, where did you where did you go to camp in the SPHL this year? Uh, Huntsville. Back in the fall. Yeah. yeah. What was that experience like? That was excellent. That was That's a first-class organization. Everything, the town, they just know who you are. So you got to obviously be respectful to everyone. If you're not, everyone will find out very quickly. But they have everything. Because you're a very disrespectful guy. Yeah, I'm just the most disrespectful <laughs> guy. <laughs> everything you get there, like six or seven stores I know automatically you get like half off or like 75% off like free haircuts free this it's insane like you really don't have to spend any of your money your paycheck you're getting there when I was there and um, 
the guys, the coaches were great. They were super nice, and it didn't work out there, but I, I'm happy that I went. I met J-Mac, too, and that's the reason why I'm in Danbury. He loves to tell me that he's the reason I'm here. No, he told He you. told he us told on the that, show. He oh, he said too. that? Yeah, like, yeah. It's just gutless of him. He says stuff <laughs> like that all the time. He's gutless. Yeah. It's not. I would like. I like to think the Huntsville coach gave me a good word with Billy, but he definitely, I'll give credit where credit's due, and J-Mac definitely helped me get here. It's kind of a good, I think it's kind of a, you know, all things aside, it's, I think the, one of the best things is I think the fans know the game here. Yeah. So they're really excited about it too, you know. I mean, I, I think that that's an advantage of playing here. I mean, over some other places out there or definitely, um, like I feel bad for the, guys who went to an organization in the SP like a Vermilion yeah. where the team folds and I think those situations are really I think they just hurt a player's career sometimes too um, what are you going to do like ultimately and when hockey runs out you're, you're working on a degree what's your plan to do with it uh, so I'm taking psychology courses right now um, I don't really know what I'd do with it but I have uh, like a long side of my mom's family everyone's been like firefighting Really? So I think I can get an in there and hopefully be a firefighter and then work a trade on the side because you get a lot of time off in Canada really? with firefighting, yeah. Is it a full-time job up there? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. cool. You make, like, I think around 100 grand or a bit more than that, like, obviously, the more you move up. And then um, you get, like, I think you work, like, something ridiculous, like, nine days a month, and then you get that much time off because you're working, like, full day shifts or whatever, like, 24-hour shifts, and then you can time off and do whatever and if you have a second job I make a good amount of money so uh, before we let you go mm-hmm. what have you been watching what have you been streaming anything do you Outer watch Banks. a lot of NHL or no uh, yeah I do I do but not recently I finished up season of you the new season there oh, okay and demolished Outer Banks in like two days the new season wow I spoiled it for Mikey Flanga because he's being a little bit of a rat so <laughs> are you guys roommates no, I just love him. He's hilarious. His you, family's great. You guys share Netflix accounts? No, no, no. Because there's a new thing, isn't there? Like, yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. They're clamping down on it, yeah. I guess. It's ridiculous. Only Stupid. a couple of households, right, or whatever it is. Exactly. It's yeah. only that you have to be added on to the plan. It's a whole yeah. bunch of shit. But. Yeah, what a drag. Yeah. Where, Mike, where's your favorite place to eat around town? Minas. Oh. I See, love Minas. I haven't asked this question in a while, but it keeps coming up. Yeah. Minas is always the always the answer. I mean, we had like a few different ones, but Minas is like yeah. The, yeah. What I think dog. we're going to do is I think we're going to go to lunch there one day and bring a recorder and give our live review of Minas. <laughs> I think that's, that That yeah. is an unreal idea. I think we should go with one of the players. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, we could do that. Mike and maybe uh, Kyle and whoever. Yeah. Yeah, we can make that a whole episode. We can make that like a, we could film that. I yeah. I think that's a great idea. I could show you what I get every time. It doesn't change. What do you get? Let's hear it. Load it up with rice, like a lot. Like it's going to cost you 25 bucks, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. And then I put like a couple scalloped potatoes in there and then just straight uh, medium like steak. That's it. Wow. I just load it up. Get two meals maybe out of it. And it's unreal. That sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's making me hungry. Right yeah, now. it's making me so hungry. No, it's a good spot. It's one of the busiest places like right around campus too. Like, oh. you know, it's a, it's a good spot. Yeah. For sure. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on again. It's anytime. always a pleasure. Yeah, anytime. You've been playing great. Keep it up. And uh, we'll, we'll be around the rest of the way. So you know us. Awesome. We'll see you around. This is Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake. And today we've got a very, very special guest in the studio, a long-anticipated one, our broadcaster, Mr. Chris Lynch. Chris, thanks for coming to the studio today. Hey, man, I'm just happy you finally thought, well, we have this nice uh, guy who talks talks words, so let's get him <laughs> on our show, which is the entire medium is talking words. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super stoked to get to actually do this sort of thing, because every single time that you share guys coming on the show and you throw on the on the Instagram account and you, yeah. you tag the hat tricks in it as well, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm a collaborator, so immediately share that one and throw it in the stories for people doing cool stuff. So I'm like, I get to do that for me now. Yeah, so. there you go. So now, now it's a bit meta, but... Yes, it is very meta, <clears throat> but no worries at all about, like, a bunch of me talking about this is going to be kind of meta. <laughs> exactly. I mean... You know, we, I've been wanting to have you on. It's just been the timing's been a little weird with yeah. getting guests and all that. But Plus, also, I don't live immediately in or near Danbury. Like, yeah. I, I live up in West Hartford, so any sort of timing for me is always a little bit tricky. Like, for just because I have to build in the travel time coming down, I have to build in the considerations for if there's snow. Like, this has been a pretty easy winter. Yeah. How are you liking your first season so far? I mean, obviously, welcome to the hat tricks even though we're like almost done with the season but yeah how have you liked your first season so far behind the mic oh dude it's the guys are so cool the the guys are so chill and so cool and so just wonderful to work with um i and i get the one wonderful opportunity i don't just call the professional games because a lot of uh folks have asked me if uh because we don't during the regular season do the broadcasts for the fed team on the road, so I don't travel with them when they go to uh, to Bingo or Columbus or anywhere else. I just do the home games, I uh, uh, which is fun. Uh, and the reason why I don't travel during the regular season is because we have two junior teams that I call all the home games for the uh, for the NHL Danbury Junior Hattricks and for the NA3HL Danbury Junior Hattricks as well, which uh, makes for busy schedules. Frequently leads to uh, two games in a day. This past Friday, uh, we had three games in one day, yeah. which which that was an emergency basis because the NA3HL Hattricks were supposed to play in Norwich. The ice in Norwich was horrible garbage, yeah. so we ended up playing it in uh, uh, in Danbury, and we'll talk about the stuff that happened in that game a little bit later on. But uh, but yeah, um, as far as like the day to day operations and stuff, it's so fun, and I I help out with more than just the. Uh, the actual on-air broadcasting stuff. That's the flashy part. That's the thing that people want to do. When you get into the sports business, a lot of folks really do want to get into the broadcast side, want to be fancy on the microphone and saying the cool word things and looking so professional in the suit and tie. There's a lot of other stuff that goes into working for a professional sports franchise with trying to help out with the ticket sales, with the group night sales, with uh, like whatever else needs to get done, like the stat tracking, the website updating, uh, writing the stories that go up on the site, putting features together. I'm actually putting together a feature on uh, Daniel McKittrick uh, right now, just his background, which I think is unbelievably fascinating. So it's just, there's so much. When um, we joke about at my house is that if you go hungry in this house, it's your fault. If you somehow have, quote, no work to do for the Danbury Hattricks, 
that is your fault. Yeah. There is always no. something to do. Because, you know, I could be doing my uh, uh, preparations for one of the three different games, maybe, that I have to call that weekend. I could be uh, trying to book national anthems when I'm not singing them myself, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or just letting you uh, play them on recording or letting Hudson play them uh, on organ whenever he's he whenever he happens to come in. Or... Um, or trying to book uh, and trying to get more, uh, like push out the group sales stuff or do some of the Photoshop work and on the graphics side of things. So there is an endless treasure trove of stuff to do. It's so fun. Like there's so much stuff that I've been able to do with this job that I'm not sure I would have been able to do at another place. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's been great. It's been great being back home in the state of Connecticut as well. Of course. And, you know, that really builds your portfolio for, you know, going forward if you end up going somewhere else yeah. or, you know, even somewhere down in a different field. Um, but I want to know, what is your favorite team to call out of the three? Um, so let me back up to – I am going to answer that question. Yeah, but yeah. Um, So – the team that actually got me the most interested in, like the teams plural, mm. were actually the junior teams because um, uh, I covered college hockey as a beat writer for years. I got to go to four different Frozen Fours, like one in um, uh, the most recent one in Boston, the one in uh, Buffalo, right before the pandemic. I went to St. Paul, I went to Chicago, I went to a ton of the Beanpot tournaments up in Boston. I'm a Boston University alum, so. College hockey's my thing. So I knew about the Null. I knew a little bit about the NA3. I didn't know that much about the FPHL. Um, I didn't know that much about that portion of, uh, of hockey. Actually, before I got the job, uh, I hadn't... Uh, I, I, I had also just wrapped up my master's at Iona University. Uh, then when I was a student there uh, on campus, it was still Iona College. It only became that in the summer, in the summer of 22, because they got an influx of money relatively recently. Um, I saw the job listing, and I thought, oh, getting to call some junior hockey. That sounds wonderfully fascinating. So I applied for that, uh, thinking that I would really fall in for the juniors. And like, as far as where... Let me just get this out of the way. I love calling all the games for all the teams. Mm -hmm. um, um, the tier, I think thought I was going to like the most. I thought I was going to like the Null the most because mm -hmm. that's the one really that I had the most kind of comparable immediate experience with because I had called games at the um, in the USPHL for the NCDC and the Premier Divisions and there's guys who come from that who go into uh, who go to D1 schools like Providence or uh, uh, or Northeastern or Merrimack or places like that. BU actually BU tends to get a lot of their guys from the prep schools around like more immediately in New England. They, they they definitely do get junior guys. They actually have a guy from the Null who played for the Maryland Black Bears, a fellow named Wilmer Skoog, who's pulled off the Michigan goal a couple of times. So that's pretty baller. Uh, I really, really came to love the NA3 team with how they played. The The Fed team is the crown jewel of, like that's, that's the moneymaker for the organization. The crowds that you get for the Fed are magical. The crowds that come in 
to that building. I really thought that I was going to prefer doing the junior games to doing the uh, the Fed games. Um, I, I, I love doing the junior games. I love those guys that I get to be a part of. The crowds that we get for uh, the crowds that we get for the Fed team are just just immaculate. Um, they're so energetic. They're so into it. They're so fun. I really, really do have like a real good found love for the and the people who come to the Fed games are they're they're wonderful and they've been so good and kind to me uh, and to all the people who have held my job before me to uh, to Josh and to Casey and to those folks who had uh, who had the job before me so uh, so I I don't say this as a cop out but I like calling all of them. But man, there is something that I understand why pro hockey in Danbury works because the people here really do care. I mean, the crowds this past weekend were unbelievable. Yes, for they, there was something else. Uh, I think um, I talked to Nick after the Friday game. Uh, Nick Arafal, the arena general manager. Yes, that uh, our crowd for the game on Friday night was a. I said it was our fourth largest crowd of the season on Friday. I talked to Herm, Herm Sorcher, the day after, after um, after the Fed game on Saturday night. They sold more tickets for Saturday. Oh, I believe it. So uh, no, I believe it. So I'm like, oh, that's really good. So the crowds are something different. the The games and the quality of the games are one thing. The crowd energy at this point in time, the junior teams haven't been able to like, uh, haven't been able to level up quite to that, but. There, I think there's a lot of potential actually for the junior teams to build to match something like that. Like I think this could be one of the premier junior hockey hubs on the Eastern Seaboard because like because the way the null is structured, the way that the null is structured in the East anyway, you're the most successful team in the division by far is the New Jersey Titans. They're down in Middletown. Lewiston, Maine is the only one that is further north of where where we are in yeah. Danbury. There's going to be a new team next year in the East Division in Rochester, New York. And they're going to have an advantage of like RIT is right up there. Colgate's not that far away. So those D1 scouts are going to be able to go right there. The amount of schools that we have the opportunity to reach at Army and Sacred Heart, Quinnipiac and Yale and UConn, and then all the Massachusetts schools are not that far away. Like UMass Amherst is not that far, and AIC is not that far. There's potential in the Danbury Ice Arena hosting the Null, the Null team. And also with Patrick Steffen being able to, it'll take a little bit of time to build up his recruiting pipeline. Mm-hmm. But I think there's real, real potential for the Null team to, to really take a jump and to really make, build into one of the most successful hubs of junior hockey on the eastern seaboard really i think it has the potential to go absolutely bananas as far as churning out guys who get drafted in the nhl guys who make the show really i think you could start seeing guys eventually from the null team who are going to play competitive division one college hockey off of this team that's had kind of a rough season patrick's burzum's our goaltender yeah. who's gone off to the USHL, he's going to go to the University of Maine next year. Uh, I'm a BU alum. I know what the University of Maine can be for hockey. It's been a little bit down, but that place, when it's rocking and rolling, the Alphonse Arena is amazing. 
if you ever get the chance to take a road trip, like a college hockey road trip, go to go to Arno. Mm-hmm. It is a prime place, and Patty Burzins is going to rock it there. And our two other goaltenders on the team right now, Carlos Mazarks is going to UMass Lowell, which is always competitive, and uh, Thomas Keysweater, who's going to Princeton, and that place has more potential, really, than what they've achieved so far. So I just I look at those junior teams, and I think, man, this is untapped, and this is I think this is, there's some real potential for the junior teams. Yeah, and then you know those those guys watching them, especially Burzins this past season. Um, just a real pleasure to have him on that team. Yes, um, you know he helped us out a few games here and there, and then he went up to World Juniors, played for Latvia, and did unbelievable. Did really well in in World Juniors. But you know, you mentioned you have a background in college hockey. You went to BU. Um, tell us about some of the games you've, you've called over your college career. So. Um so my freshman and junior years, I actually didn't get involved in the sports writing stuff or the sports broadcasting stuff. So uh, I had a bad freshman year, uh, just just kind of a rough stuff just didn't work for me, and I had a bad time of it. Sophomore year, just I spent that whole year just like getting like the personal stuff and getting the grade stuff sorted out. Then my junior year, I felt, okay, I've got enough of all this stuff sorted out, and I still want to get involved in the sports stuff. So I walked to the general interest meeting at WTBU, 680 AM, uh, in, uh, which is our, our radio station up there and uh, at, at BU, and I just thought, okay, let's see if I can get involved in this. And I got an invite to take part in what it figured out to be was like the sports director was going to host a show with a couple of guests for like the first week and a half, two weeks of the season, then was going to hand it off to those he felt were good enough to do it. So um, I walked in and I was like, it was me and like six other people who were talking about like the roundup of games at the NFL. And he liked me enough that he just gave me a chance to keep on doing that sort of thing. And I asked him, well, how else could I be involved in this? And he said, well, uh, we also run a website in which we write about the goings on and happenings of the sports teams. It's like an opportunity for some of our journalism folks to be involved in that part of it. Uh, I thought, hmm, might be able to do hockey stuff. And I, as I was thinking that, literally as I was thinking that, he went, well, I don't need anyone to do hockey stuff, but I do need someone to do basketball stuff. So I went, eh, okay, I'll take the opportunity. So I wrote for two years for WTBU about the BU men's basketball team, but I did get to call some BU hockey games. And I'll tell you the game that, uh, that I think really got me hooked on this, because I should know. My junior year at Boston University was Jack Eichel's year. He made me fall in love with the sport in a way I didn't before. And like Patrice Bergeron, I'm a Bruins fan. Patrice Bergeron is my favorite hockey player. And I think he's the best player that uh, I have gotten the chance to act. Mm-mm, no, I've seen Alex Ovechkin in person. Um, I have to think about that a little bit more. But like Bergeron's my favorite player. And he's one of the best players I've ever seen. Possible exception being granted to Ovechkin because I've actually seen him in person. A lot of other folks I just haven't got to see in person. Like the, I never saw the Blackhawks at their peak in person or anything like that. Just you know, just like splitting hairs over that. Um, so my junior year, uh, I went into the studio to do what ended up being a solo show, in which I was wrapping up the Super Bowl. It was the Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl, the Malcolm Butler interception on the yeah. goal line one. Yeah. Uh, I had been partying in the streets of Boston the day prior because that was spectacular. 
So I go in and I finish up my show uh, right at 6, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. show. I host the whole thing solo for two hours, which I'm like, huh, this is fun. This is crazy. This is fun. So, uh, so we wrap up and I see an email from our station director saying, hey, the bean pot has been moved because, well, there's there a whole bunch of snow yeah. and they're gonna, they decided that they're going to make it up tomorrow. If you don't know, uh, may I explain what the bean pot is? Of course. Is? Of course. Go ahead. Okay. So the bean pot is a tournament between the four immediate four of the immediate Boston area division one hockey programs. Uh, there's a men's bean pot and a women's bean pot started off with the men's one in the early fifties. I don't remember when the women's one started. I want to say it was maybe the seventies, I think is when that started. I just don't remember what the exact year was. Uh, but it's between Boston University, Boston College, Harvard, and Northeastern. Uh, for a long while, BU absolutely and utterly dominated this tournament in a way that no one else just couldn't. We have 30 of these things. Uh, Northeastern went from 1988 until 2018 before they won them. Since I started covering these things in uh, in some capacity in 2015, uh, BU has won two of them. I wasn't in the building for one of them. Uh, and Northeastern has won four of them, and I just keep thinking, wow, this is not how this is supposed to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even Boston College won one, and I'm like, man, I don't like Boston College. Uh, <laughs> BC is our big rival. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are our biggest rival in the sport. So I got the opportunity. I saw the email, and I went, well, I could fill in and do color commentary for Beanpot Game. And so I shot that email back. I ended up beating one other guy by literally two seconds. Wow. And I got the color job. That's crazy. So uh, so I got in just about barely first, and I got to go. And um, so one guy already had the bag, had the uh, equipment bag. We get into the building. We quickly figure out. Like we get up to our broadcast spot, and we figure out, oh, there isn't a power cord for the board <laughs> in the bag. So Ooh. we are all looking at that going, Oh, oh no. And we only are figuring this out like five to ten minutes before puck drop. So I am running around the top level of TD Garden. The way that building is built mm. uh, is like all of their, all the press row stuff and all of the technical work is up is up on that top row, is on that like top level, ninth, ninth floor of the building. So I am running around up there. And just looking for something. And eventually I get the idea to go into the uh, this little booth where the uh, in-arena technical directors are. And I say, hey, uh, we don't have this. We're with WTBU, the BU Sports Radio section. And I, I know we probably don't have this, but you have like a power plug for this sort of board. They said, well, we don't have a plug for that. But we do have this, and they showed me a big 12-pot professional-looking soundboard and went, well, you could probably use this. Just so casual about how, like, yeah, here's this very hefty professional-looking piece of sound equipment that we just aren't using right now. Yeah. You could probably use this. And we look at, I look at them, and I just go, thanks, and then run as quickly as I can back to our spot. And we get it set up. And it doesn't work immediately. So I lean over into the Nesson booth, and one of their producers comes over and helps us get everything set up. And we finally get it working, and we miss the first three, four-ish minutes of the first period. 
but we catch up, and it ends up going to double overtime. <laughs> and uh, Steve Michalik, the Harvard goaltender, stopped 63 shots. Wow. We end up winning the game in uh, in double OT. And Jack Eichel didn't dominate that game. It was Daniel Regan who got the overtime winner in that one. Um, next week, uh, actually, no, the Beanpot final wasn't held next week. It was held towards the end of the month. It ended up being an overtime winner for Matt Grizzlick, who's now a member of the Bruins and was the captain of the BU team. I didn't call that one, but uh, I obviously followed it. Because uh, like the guy who was originally supposed to do color was a senior that year. I filled his spot because he couldn't. But for for Beanpot Championship Day, I gave him that chance back because like that was supposed to be his. So yeah. like. You give course. that you give that back to him. So, so yeah, that was really. And I remember walking out of the building after I got to call that game, and I just thought, man, that that's really the one that got me hooked was calling the bean pot. And then I got to be um, my college hockey experience was mostly as a beat writer, and I was mostly as reporter covering the uh, covering the scene. It was awesome, and it I loved going to all the different buildings because I got to go to all the hockey's buildings and most of the ECAC buildings. So that was fabulous. Like, I I loved getting to be a part of all um, all of that stuff. And then I also got to uh, go see a bunch of the Atlantic Hockey buildings, except the Air Force Academy because they're in Colorado, but they're in the Atlantic Hockey Conference, which all the rest of them are in either Western Pennsylvania, upstate New York, or a few in Massachusetts, and I just thought, this seems very odd, but sure, whatever, I guess. Um, the place where I got most of my broadcasting experience, actually, most of it, and this will sound very strange, was the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, because hmm. um, they're a D3 school, like, comparable with Westcon. So I got that, uh, I got most of my game opportunities over my. Um, I started calling games there my senior year of college and uh, really enjoyed it. And you get type A competitive athletic personalities who also happen to be ludicrously intelligent who go to places like that. So you get competitive sports. Like uh, It's a great volleyball program that they have there. The men's basketball team made a run to the Elite Eight one year. The women's basketball team made a couple of NCAA tournaments. So... Um, so I got the opportunity to do most of my game broadcasts there uh, over the next four-ish years because I stayed in the Boston area and worked as a freelancer and a writer and, and a broadcaster and doing that sort of stuff. And I it, it was great. Um, Boston was so good to me. I look back on – I almost look back on those as being the good old halcyon days. <laughs> um, and then COVID hit. Mm. And all that work just stopped existing. Like, immediately, the work just stopped. And I went, well, shoot. And I genuinely thought that uh, that I might not have a future doing sports stuff. I don't think I'm alone in that sort of sentiment at, or how people felt at that time. So um, I ended up picking up a temporary job and... I should note also, I had been spending a bunch of my summers in Cape Cod as the public address announcer doing your job with the hat tricks. I do that for the Brewster Whitecaps mm -hmm. um, of the Cape Cod Baseball League. And we've had, we host players as well at, my, at our family's house in, uh, in Brewster. And the guys who have come through there have been 
and I, 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 I feel like I keep saying this, that the guys have been absolutely fabulous to me, but like, I feel so lucky having worked in sports because like the people I've gotten to work with have been just incredible. They've been so kind and so good. And, um, they're so, uh, so, uh, when the pandemic hit, I just thought, well, let's figure out a temp job for the time. I ended up picking up a job at a CVS in Chatham, Massachusetts, which is out on Cape Cod. And I've never felt more useless. Like I've had points in my life where I felt lower, but I've never had a point where I felt more useless than that. Because the, my first, no, yeah, my, my first day I looked at the calendar and I just went, man, I should be on a plane to Detroit to go cover the Frozen Four today. And instead, I was starting up a shift at CVS. I've never, let me tell you, man, I've never felt more useless than that. I just, it was tough, man. It was really, really tough just uh, just knowing that you had poured so much time and so much effort into into a craft and that you couldn't you couldn't do anything more with it and just that's tough man i'm sure that i mean i don't know what i've never talked with you about what uh what you were feeling because like, you're only a sophomore in college so you Correct. Were, you would have been in high school at the time yeah so during that pandemic period um i didn't really have much going on for me i was more into music then yeah um also didn't really get into sports till like at least the, this side of sports until you know I hit college but at that point you know I was really looking to do audio engineering as that was my go-to yeah that's what I was gonna do I and, mean I and studio music was was fine was okay was actually kind of good like had a good year in 2020 yeah because people were like stuck at home and the, the thing is too yeah. I also had like my own home studio so I had yeah. like a keyboard and you know yeah. whatever have you and then at Logic and Ableton so I was kind of yeah. like I could just screw around and make whatever and essentially that's what I did mm-hmm. and you know even the classes I was enrolled in for high school like I had, I had digital music classes so I was like oh cool I could just produce my homework right here da 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 done and nice. then that was it um, of course the trade off was the live music scene was just dead yeah um, it was like that for a while and then I think, yeah, because I went, that was my junior year of high school that that happened. And then we went into my senior year following that. So we went through all of that again and yeah. went through. But towards the end, everyone was able to kind of meet up again. You have to wear masks and all that. But, you know, we're we're past that now, yeah. at least for... Mercifully. You know, mercifully, yes. Yeah. Um, and then now when I got to WestCon, I was into music, had one bad jazz professor uh ruined it for me uh, i haven't played music in a while i've been wanting to get back into it because there's been a few licks i want to learn on what do bass. you play uh, i mainly play the bass um i play guitar and drums as well but i oh. wanted to get back into bass a little bit but because i hear people who do music stuff mm-hmm. and i'm like it doesn't surprise me that you are a musician yeah. it also because i could have i could have been convinced that like you could be a like regular like a six-string guitar player yeah yeah um the bass is interesting, but you know, I can definitely see it. I don't play any instruments. I do sing, but also I don't sing rock music. Yeah. Like, I'm a classically, like, uh, I do, like, choral and classical mm-hmm. types of music. Or, like, I, I wasn't an athlete in high school yeah. when I was in. I was, a, I was a theater and music kid. So, like, I did all of our 
musicals and like 42nd street and how to succeed in business and all that different sort of stuff. So, so, uh, I, that's the fun thing actually if people ask me have asked me oh you're in sports and I just go yes they ask me well did you play it no no <laughs> I was I was not athletically coordinated enough to do I mean, so <laughs> back in middle school I played uh, basketball and then oh I did too but yeah like, and then for high school I went to an arts magnet school so there's no real oh, sports okay. that I could do I mean I could go back to my oh wait you went to the one in Waterbury yes oh, okay yes um, I could have went back home to, to Thomaston and done basketball for them but I don't really vibe with Thomaston like that, so mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just play basketball with my friends, and yeah. that's what I like doing anyway. It's just playing b-ball with them, and mm-hmm. like even here, I I thought about trying out for the team, and I was like, nah, I, there's probably people actually want a spot and yeah. all that. That's fair. But, um, I will say though, this next season coming up, I am probably going to try out for the hockey team. Oh, um, you've been skating and stuff. I hope. yeah, yes, I've been trying to work on that. Um, okay. I, I got to find more time to work on it because like every stick and puck that happens, there's always something that has to like that I have to work on. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I'd be doing this for, I mean, to really just get that, that team feeling and just kind of be a part of this up and rising club. Cause you know, they recently got their new, like a new life essentially. So I want to be a part of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, ever since my freshman year, I've been a part of this club, whether it was doing broadcasting here on WXCI or um, like this past season we had I was doing public address for them so figure why not bring it full circle is that, seasonal, is that season all done now? yes we wrapped up okay. on the 11th of this past month um, we didn't make playoffs mm. due to some errors and all that but you know it's not the biggest squad um, obviously I encourage people listening to this podcast if you're a WestCon student or coming to WestCon you have a hockey background um Join the team. Try out. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you could say they could say no, but chances are they probably won't. I mean, like when we finished active on that team, there was about nine people total. Oh yeah, there's spots. Yeah, there's there's a ton of spots. Yeah. So I encourage you highly to join. Um, but you know, with that being said, I did all of that and then I will call games here and there my freshman year, some football games, basketball I did a few of. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the hockey games. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the pandemic was a time I like to forget, but at the same time, yeah. it's it's a time that I was able to really think of what I wanted to do, but then that led to figuring out what I actually want to do, which is this. Yeah. We're in the moment of, you know, sports. Oh, the pandemic did the same for me, but like I was at a, I was just at a different stage in my life. Yeah. Um when when that came about cuz so I went to so I went to the Cape and really had to really had to think about what because uh, the way I remember all of that was um, I really considering like the start of the heat of it being March 11th because that night mm-hmm. was the night when uh, I was announced that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for coronavirus and I vividly remember I watched the end of the Dallas Mavericks game knowing that that was going to be the last NBA game and also knowing that I was getting ready to go cover the college hockey conference tournaments. So I was just figuring out uh, if I was going to be able to still go to, uh, to, to BU. Actually, no, BU was in Lowell, so I was figuring out if I was going to go there. Uh, one of our other writers for the website I was writing for, Inside Hockey, was, was UMass guy and was going to go cover the Amherst series because it was going to be Amherst and Northeastern, which was a great series. That was the year – that was – right after they had had Kale McCarr and they had moved on from all that stuff. So that was 
that was going to be a great series. And then all day, the 12th, it was just team after team after team after team just saying, no, we're not hosting the games. Season's done. And that was really deflating. I went home. Uh, I went, I'm originally from West Hartford, Connecticut. I went back to see uh, uh, my brother had gone back for a few days to see mom and dad. I went back to see mom and dad. And there were a few days where all we did was we just had breakfast, talked about news and stuff. Because I should note, I was not a communications major in college. Mm-hmm. I was a political science major in college. And I had for a moment thought that I was going to go work in professional politics somewhere until I had a realization that I very much did not want to do that. And I thank God every day that I had that realization. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. um, uh, sports is more fun than politics. I don't oh, yeah. go totally insane. A million miles more. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, so I, I we just went back home and talked about, like, the on happenings, the ongoings in, like, the wider world. And then at night we would just watch some classic films. So we saw a couple of Bond movies. We saw The French Connection, and we watched uh, uh, Seven Samurai, the, the Akira Kurosawa one, not all the ripoffs that came a little bit after that. So um, through the whole course of the pandemic, I really took a hard look in the mirror and thought, okay, do I want to do this sports thing? Do I really want it? And then I got an email from uh, – from a fellow named Alex, who actually is now the play-by-play voice for the Hartford Wolfpack. He was at the time working in uh, the USPHL. Was uh, uh, was uh, he? When I had met him, he was calling games for the Boston Junior Bruins, who are based in Marlboro, Mass. So uh, he shot an email to me and said, "Hey, uh, there's going to be this showcase event for all the Boston area junior kids and prep school kids." Uh, called the Beantown Summer Classic, but they can't hold it in Massachusetts. They're hosting it in Exeter, New Hampshire. And do you want to do those games? I said, yes, very much badly so. And I have an uncle who lives in uh, North Andover, Massachusetts, not that far away from Merrimack College. So we, uh, my, my dad, he's my dad's brother, uh, my dad shot him a text saying, hey, can Chris stay at your house overnight? And he said, absolutely, sure. So I went up there. Um, I called in uh, in three days. I called eight games. This junior showcases and tournaments are it's one after another after another after another yeah. after another. Oh, voice was fried. No, no, I felt alive. <laughs> I felt like I was back home and yeah. back to really what I was supposed to do. So, and that was in August. And I went, wow, I'm doing a junior hockey showcase in August. I wasn't about to complain because, A, I was getting paid for it. Yep. And, B, dude, dude, I, it had been so long. It had, it had been since March. I look, I look back at the calendar. It was March 7th had been my last game broadcast. So I just went, oh, wow, it had been a, such a long time. So I jumped. Uh, so I started thinking about, okay, if I really want to get back into this, what would make the most sense? Because I had started applying for jobs and gotten nothing back. So I thought, okay, it might be worth going back to school. And my mom had been pushing and thinking that, and I went, no, my experience should be. And then I went, oh, for me, I probably needed more time in the oven in a school situation. 
So I looked at schools that had a master's degree in sports media and sports communication. And there were really three that I focused in on that uh, seemed the most appealing. Two of them in Connecticut, or excuse me, one in Connecticut, one in New York uh, at Iona, and one in Texas, actually, at Dallas Baptist. The thing that appealed to me is it, uh, the way it appeared about that degree was that you get the opportunity to call Dallas Baptist is a Division II school for everything except baseball, and they're unbelievable at baseball, but they're D1 for that. So uh, I thought, well, all those sound kind of interesting. Iona gave me the chance basically to start immediately, and I got my confirmed acceptance letter January 6th of 21. So I just went, oh, oh, yeah, we're doing this and making this happen. And at the same time, I had gotten an invitation to – uh, go up, and I had called a couple of games for uh, uh, this group called the Northeast Sports Network, which was calling high school and small college games in northern New Hampshire and northern Vermont. I mean, like the northern part of those states, in like uh, in Linden in the Northeast Kingdom, Montpelier, uh, and like kind of near Montpelier, and uh, in in Vermont, um, and all the way up north, like Colebrook and Groveton and Littleton and places like that in New Hampshire, calling soccer and basketball and hockey and plays and, and all that different sort of stuff. So I went, okay, that's going to be my best chance. Because there really wasn't – I couldn't realistically have gone to New Rochelle and started that immediately because there wasn't going to be anything for me to do. Yeah. So I go north. And my, my dad's originally from north central Vermont. So I go and stay up there. And for the first half of 2021, I drove in the snow all across, all across Kingdom Come. And I really fell in love with that part of small town. It's like small rural America. Like the town I was living in in Vermont at the time was like 1,300 people. Wow. Small town. Tiny rural place. I love the state of Vermont. The New Hampshire trip had re-sparked and reconfirmed my interest in it. The, the New Hampshire junior hockey trip, calling games across northern New Hampshire, northern Vermont, and the North Country really solidified that that was going to be where I went and what I was going to do. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how I got into the, really into the broadcasting space that led me to Iona. Yeah. Iona eventually led me to here in Danbury. So, uh, from here, I have no idea where it's going to lead me to, but uh, but yeah, that's the kind of short version. There you go. I can go for on, on for a much much longer time <laughs> on how on, and I do keep coming back to how unbelievably fortunate I am to get to be around because like I'm a Boston sports fan. Yeah, I know for a fact that you're a New York Yankees fan. Oh yeah, um, big time. I know how fortunate I am to be a Red Sox fan at this point in time because my dad was a Red Sox fan from the 60s yeah, until now. And for yeah. most of his life, they were the losers. Yep. They would create random, wacky, nonsense ways of losing games. And they would come up with opportunities for invent the most absurd, painful ways to lose like 72 i think it was uh louis louis apparicio who was like long since past his time overran the base third base a little bit too far tried to scamper back harry stremsky was running too far ahead in front of him they get tagged out and detroit wins the 
final spot in the postseason by a half a game. Yeah. So, like, that one, the horror show of 78 at the end of that season, the complete and utter catastrophe that was the Game 7 of 2003, uh, Pedro and Manny and Nomar all getting injured during the 2001 season. Like, they would just create ways to lose. <laughs> so, and and my dad just made the point to me that like, when I was 10 years old when they won the World Series in 2004. Yeah. My dad was, well, he was way older. He was in his mid-40s at that time. So, he just went, you better take a real stock of how fortunate you are that the team that you get to cheer for will not be the team that I was unfortunate enough to cheer for. <laughs> and I've always gone back to like you live with a amount of gratitude that like I get to say words about a sports team. Yeah. Like <laughs> dude. Exactly. I don't like I don't dig ditches, I don't pave roads. I say words about hockey. There you go. That's it's, that's living the dream. Oh dude, it's so ludicrous. It it's an actual coup that I've been able to pull this off. So, so like it it is not lost on me that uh, uh, that I am where I am and that I have the opportunities that I do. So, especially since like there were chances for me to just give up and go someplace else and do something else. Yeah, like there, I certainly could have chosen to do something else in the middle of the pandemic, but you know here I am. So uh, so yeah. Uh, it's not lost on me how lucky I am to do all this. Of course. And, you know, wrapping things up here, this past weekend we got to see Port Huron get yep. decked by us in a two-game series sweep. That was a good time. Um, yeah, how was it up there in the booth? I know we had our boy Jim Cerny up there for Friday, <gasps> and then it was Solo U on Saturday. So walk us through that real quick. Okay, so there's more than just the two pro games because – we had the well yes that we, is true yeah. i should clarify we also had two null games those both of those days and then and a three the friday yes that friday so yeah i guess just take us through take us through the weekend okay so i didn't know that we weren't gonna have that we were gonna have an na3 game until eleven thirty the night before yep so did i so <laughs> well that's because you texted yeah. me though but yes either way so i get a so I got a text from Nick Garofalo, the Arena GM, saying that, hey, we might have to host the NA3 game because they were supposed to play Norwich. The ice was crap in Norwich. So I couldn't do it there. So I went, okay, this, this is going to be a really long day and a really long weekend. Yeah. So I got up. Uh, as soon as I saw that, uh, I just – I was starting to fall asleep anyway, but I just like, the second I saw that, I thought, oh, God, this is going to take a while. So I went to bed, got up about 6 a.m. next day. I don't set alarms, by the way. Mm -hmm. I, oh, you, you just naturally have a body clock, like an internal clock? Like I just tell myself, I take no credit for being able to do this. It's just a thing that I somehow am able to do most days. Like if I'm running on like two, three, four, five days – where I've been getting up super early, then I just can't pull this off. Like, I have to sleep with an alarm. So, like, only an emergency basis where I'm, like, really tired or I have to wake up at, like, 4 a.m. Then yeah. I'll set one. But for the most part, for, like, a normal day, I'll just say, well, okay, got to wake up at 6. And I woke up at 5.30. So, uh, so I'm up. I shower. I go in. And um, 
the the NA3 game was kind of unusual because Norwich insisted on having some of their people contribute to having all the staffing for that game because that was supposed to be their home game. Yeah. And they felt bad about uh about stuff like not going wrong. So they wanted to help us be able to cover for all of that. So um so we set up and the technicals are working. That's one of the other things about calling the games at this level is that you are constantly in a fight with the technicals, just hoping that please let this work, please let this work, please let this work. Yeah. Um, or just trying to constantly figure out, which makes Calvin Savoya so so critical to my being able to do my job. Exactly. Oh, uh, I love having Calvin as part of as like he makes my job possible. I'll, I'll always be saying that Calvin makes me being able to do my job possible. So, um, so Norwich, we set up, start calling the game, and the NA3 team's buzzing. They look great. Second period, Norwich gets uh, gets a couple goals. The third period changed because one of and one of our favorite players on that junior team, Reese Timboro, gets hit yeah. hard, gets mm-hmm. decked and laid out with like I want to say it was like six minutes left to go in regulation. Yeah, just time. about. We were down two nothing, and uh, everyone was just really, really shaken up. And he had to get stretchered off the ice. And it turns out that the hit might have like looked a little bit worse than it actually was. At least if you hear Reese tell it, um, like not to say it was good. It was a bad hit, and like he got majorly cussed on the play. Yes, uh, but he's also the type of animal who's just like, yeah, no, I'll be back for the playoffs. Yep. He said this He's, to both of us. Oh was... yeah, to the two of us. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we get through that game, and it goes to they come back, they pull the goalie, score the goal. Twenty seconds into overtime, Roman Winicky wins it in the overtime period, and I, I, that's one of the most emotional games I've called. Yeah, that like, was that was an intense game to be uh, a part of. That was and... unbelievable how, because the guys. I talked to Tyler Noseworthy, the head coach of the NA3 team, and an yes. assistant coach and a fixture in Danbury. Yes. I talked uh, to him about what he was feeling on the bench as that happened. Because, um, like, we had been not that far away from the DeMar Hamlin situation in Buffalo. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I'm not sure how exactly you have to continue that. And on my call, I say exactly... I'm not sure how exactly you get back into playing this, but somehow the Danbury Junior Hattricks have to rally themselves and play the remaining six minutes and 21 seconds or whatever time it was of this hockey game still. So apparently what had happened was Roman Winicky, like so Nosey asks them, do you guys want to keep playing? Do you guys want to keep going? And Roman goes, Reese would want us to play in kick tail. Yep. So we're going to play and kick tail. So they did. Um, then we have to immediately switch gears and get ready for the null game. And I make the lineups for all of these games. Yeah. So I have to immediately flip gears and do that. Then, um, and the null team has a really tough loss against against the main Nordiques, but I know the coaching staff for Maine. I really like those guys that they have. So we get done with that, and then we have the Fed games. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank God I have Jim to call this game with me. Because like, Jim was a radio guy for the Islanders and a TV guy for the Rangers. He is the best in the business. And he's the most accomplished and talented. And he's the best broadcaster I've ever worked with. And I don't think it's that close. So 
Um, so he he really does a great job in helping me get uh, get set up for the Friday Night Fed game. And it goes well. He's on point as always. Um, and that game, like, that was only a, I want to say it was a it was a four one game mm-hmm. was the final on Friday, and that game was really defined by the special teams more than anything else because like the um, pro team was a was they've been really struggling with power play all season like all regular yeah. season mm-hmm. and you just keep thinking like man how exactly is this team going to win if they're struggling in these types of situations I mean they figured it out thankfully they scored two power play goals and a shorthanded goal and then got one at uh, one at even strength from Jacob Radcliffe who's a New Zealander and I thought huh wow we really are getting hockey players from everywhere so that was a cool game Saturday was way easier because I knew and there wasn't an additional NA3 game tacked onto it that I had to call. I, I had to make the lineups for uh, for Nosy, but that was easy. You just get that done and shoot it over to him in an email, and you're fine and good to go. Uh, the NAHL game on Saturday was also kind of tough because uh, Peter LaJoy, who's been a part of the team for the last two years now, um, like all this season, and mm-hmm. I think it was for last season, um, he had to head on home and uh, so he can get ready to go to play at the University of Denver. And like that was our we we set up and I did the introductions a little bit different so he'd be the last guy on the ice and everyone wanted to win that game for him. They took it to overtime and they just about barely couldn't pull off the win. And then we got to flip gears from like we're emotional for him to we have a game that night and it's one of the best games of the season. Mm-hmm. And Johnny with his first four goal game. Uh, he scores his 100th goal as a hat trick. Oh, it was magnificent on Saturday night. It was uh, it was so fun getting to call. Like, not even that I actively cheer for for yeah, burn them to the ground. Like I'm not even like, yeah. seeking like to burn the opposing team. Just like unless it's the Yankees. <laughs> Actually, no, honestly, I don't even hate them that much. So (laughs) I really don't. Uh, But no, it was uh, was so cool getting to see Johnny do that cool stuff, seeing uh, and getting to talk about like with with Johnny afterwards. And and uh, and I got to chat with him about the, the 100th goal and how much he likes being here in Danbury. And we just went, man, there's uh all this really would would be capped off if we do the thing and end the season the way we all want to. Exactly. And he asked me, uh, "Had you ever have you ever been a part of winning a championship, like in any sort of capacity?" And I said, "Yes. Well, the Whitecaps twice. Uh, I go down onto the field and I get to celebrate with the guys and I get to hold up the trophy. And I'm like, man, championships in sports." especially for people who work for them? Because I don't know if you've ever been a part of. No. Um, okay. Last year with the Hattricks, that was like, obviously everyone wanted it, fell short that second round to yeah. Columbus. Then working with the Connecticut Whale, the PHF, we made it right to the Isabel Cup, leading to nothing, going to the third, and then we drop, well, I think it was 2 nothing going into the second. Boston ties it up. And then they managed to win it into the third 4-2 for their mm-hmm. second consecutive Isabel Cup. Yeah, they're going for their third now. Going for their third, and 
sincerely as a Connecticut whale fan, I hope they don't get it at all. <laughs> I want Connecticut to have a pro sports team win. Of course. Um, you know, but that, that team last year, that Connecticut whale team, yeah. that was, it was unreal working those games. Um, you know, seeing just their, their backup goalie get like half of the shutouts that the team like as a franchise has ever gotten. Yeah. It's gotten four total. She accounts for two of those. Yep. Nice. I think it's like five or six now given, um, Abby Ives, who's fantastic goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she was a big part of that season, you know, just really doing her thing and just being a brick wall for a bunch of games where we really needed that to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've come close. I've gotten almost. I've gotten like a whiff of victory but in never, terms of championship, but I've never gotten the full taste. So, the only way that it's so sweet, it's so sweet if you pour in the games yeah. and pour in the work, because then you look back at when you win a championship, every single memory of that season gets brighter. Yeah everything every single piece even the stuff that you look at and go this stinks why are we doing this this is dumb everything you just look at it and go yeah yeah that that's that good stuff there you go every single one and i i don't think i'll ever not work in sports i don't think i'll ever not um work in sports just because that feeling of the championship day mm. when you have a chance to compete for it. There is nothing else I've ever experienced. I've never felt anything close to the rush. And you only get the rush because of all the work that you put in beforehand. You only get that wonderful push when you get the work in to make it so sweet it's fabulous and i really do hope that uh man i uh i'll be pushing to do like every single playoff game uh like every single playoff game the hat tricks play i'm gonna be there for it oh yeah every single one because like there's no i'm not missing that for anything no no but we'd love to have you do the away games oh i mean like hopefully um I really do hope this for the organization that hopefully we can like um, that that rule gets expanded so that you can have you know two guys do it so that you can have a guy travel with the Fed team exactly and yeah. alternate it so that that would be I think that'd be kind of the ideal situation to get to eventually like it'll take a little bit of time I think to get there but it's not unreasonable I think no. to have like a traveling board and a traveling headset and that sort of thing but uh, it just takes a I think that'll just take a little bit more coordination a little bit more time but like. Man, this, uh, we're almost into March already. I don't know when this episode's going to come out. Like, we're recording this February 27th, Monday. Yeah, it'll be out uh, this weekend. weekend. Okay, so it'll be out, it'll be out later on this week. It'll be before the Elmira series. Okay, before the Home and Home with Elmira. Yeah. Which, uh, well, Home and Away. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. You're, now you're just being annoying. What? What do you mean? I was I was trying to make sure you're on the right path, so you're not misguiding the listeners. Uh, yes, home for us on Friday, road on Saturday in Elmira. Though I must say, I am kind of going to be looking forward to a chance to rest these. Yeah, vocal rest cords. the vocal cords. Yeah, uh, no games at the Damien Rice Arena that that Saturday, minus the uh, 
the FCI AC championship, high school yep. championship. It's Fairfield regionals type yep. deal. Um, in state, fact, yeah. Yeah. In fact, actually, after that, for all the Hatricks organizations, uh, we don't have any games scheduled the weekend of March 10, 11, 12, because it's the motocross event. Yes. So I get it. Nice opportunity to just say no words. Yeah, you could just kind of. And you need points. <laughs> yeah. like you genuinely need points where you might be hearing me and listening to me on this episode going, yeah. wow, you could talk for a while. And I'm like, I could. <laughs> I also have points where I need to say nothing. Exactly. I have had days, days where I have said zero words. Brian Cranston, the actor from Breaking Bad, has talked about yeah. how he would have these silent days in which he literally would just say nothing Yeah. for vocal recovery. So I'm going to have to have one of those days myself. Of course. Well, Chris, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to calling some games with you this weekend. Of course, you know, calling them down from the box and you'll be up top. But either way, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, good man. Of course. This is Daniel Amesbury, your Ice Wars champion and Danbury Hattrick's tough guy. You're listening to Hattrick City Radio on 91.7 WXCI, Danbury. Welcome back to Hattrick City. Our guest today is a 2003 draft pick of the Boston Bruins. He's a native of Baldwinsville, New York, outside of Syracuse, and everybody around town knows him best as the goalie who helped the Danbury Whalers capture the one and only championship in the history of the city. Mike Brown is our guest today, and it's great to have you kind of back in town, at least over the airwaves, Mike. Yeah, what a what an entrance there. I like that. Like You're that. also one of the stars of my Penthouse Magazine story in 2014. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what? I got that on my Instagram. I still look at that once in a while. It's funny. <laughs> that article is awesome. <laughs> that was a fun weekend. That uh, It's coming up on an anniversary as well. Maybe we'll do an anniversary show of that. <laughs> Him, Carancy. Yep, um, Frazier. Yes, Frazier. A few yep. guys in there. Awesome. Let's Mike, do it. Tell us, you know, just to bring people up to date. What, where have you been since you left town? You last played in Danbury in 2015. What, what have you been doing since you've been gone? Uh, so when I left Danbury, I went to uh, went home to Syracuse for six years. And then, um, you know, coronavirus hit and I moved down to Florida. I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida right now. I've been down here two years uh, working at a Mazda dealership, selling cars and uh, living on the beach. So can't uh can't beat it no more snow for me just once a year i go to new york to see my parents and that's about all the snow i get so i'm good with that <laughs> you know a lot of guys especially goalies usually when their career kind of ends a lot of them never do anything with hockey again i think they get tired of lugging their gear around what about you what are you up to mike not at all nope uh i play roller hockey about uh well, every Tuesday night, there's a uh, roller hockey league I'm in, but uh, I get out there maybe once every uh, two weeks on Tuesday nights in the uh, our winter. So it's a little bit less, it's, you know, 75 in the winter here. So it's a little bit more doable because in the summer you can't play outdoors on a, on a roller hockey rink. But no, I'm not playing ice hockey. I don't even know where my gear is. I uh, It's probably my parents somewhere. But no, I'm, I'm not looking, I'm not putting the goalie pads on ever again. You are you playing goal in this roller hockey? No, game? hell no. No, 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 
I'm a forward here and I'm uh, just trying to stay in shape, sort of, you know? <laughs> imagine, dude, imagine dude signing up for uh, roller hockey <laughs> in Florida. And yeah, we got a guy on our team. He's a yep. NHL draft pick in goal. Yep. For us. <laughs> yep. And you know, what's pretty funny is that my Mazda dealership, we got a guy who played at RIT, a guy who played at Michigan hockey. So uh, wow. we got a pretty good, yeah, we got a pretty good hockey team uh, at my Mazda dealership up here. How, <laughs> how, um, was that just a coincidence or did you know somebody? Yeah. No, yeah, just a coincidence, yeah. Wow. Yep. You started guys... talking one day, and he's like, yeah, I played hockey in Michigan. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I you know, played hockey at RIT. Oh, it's like weird. Wow. So, yeah, we got three guys that played college hockey or above, you know what I mean? And you yourself, you played in the OHL. You know played in mean? the OHL, yep, and then to the you know Bruins organization and, and all that good stuff, yep. So take, <laughs> take us through a little bit of your, your own personal history, Mike. You know what I mean? I, it looks like you played for Honey Baked back in the day. How did it all start yeah. for you? Uh, How'd you get that stat? Yep. Yeah. I, uh, there's this thing called eliteprospects.com. Ah, tells you everything. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's the, uh, the biggest, like whatever, 12, 13 year old tournament in the world in, in Quebec, the tourney de Quebec or whatever it's called. And, um, long story short, uh, honey baked won the world championship my year. And, um, I played for a team in Rochester, New York, and they saw me play their goalie did something quit or whatever. And, and they asked me to move to, to, uh, Detroit when I was like 14 years old. And uh, my parents kind of said, you know, it's it's now or never. If you want to do it, now's the time. So I moved to Detroit and lived with a uh, a host family kind of thing, and um, then got drafted by the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL, and didn't really know what the OHL was, and uh, you know, kind of went to camp there, made the team. By the end of that year, I was the starter there and played uh, played in the OHL for three years, and then got drafted by Boston. You know, I didn't think the NHL was. I didn't think there was any chance there. And then, you know, I kind of saw my name on these drafts, you know, these draft charts of, of moving up, you know, with the league. And then long story short, got drafted fifth round by Boston and, um, you know, signed there. And it's been a, it's been a journey since I've been kind of all over the place. I think I've played for like 18 teams in my 10 year career or something like that. I don't even know what the exact number is, but um, it's been fun, man. It's, you know, bounced around, played, played in a lot of different cities countries got paid to play hockey got paid to travel so i've seen a lot of the world which is awesome a lot of people don't get to do that and and they've paid me to do that so i uh can't complain you know i mean i obviously wish i got a little you know i i always say i got drafted to a team that didn't need a goalie i mean they had tim thomas they had tuka rask they had andrew raycroft i mean felix potman was there when i was there manny fernandez i mean there's the you know and look all mark now i mean that team just They've got these studs in net, you know, and it's uh, kind of sucks. Got drafted to a team that didn't need a goalie or even needed a shot at a goalie, but it is what it is, you know. So tell us a little bit about just that that experience of playing in the OHL as an American. Did you even really know much about the OHL when you got there and, and that type of thing? Um, I kind of did because Honey Baked uh, was in Detroit and the Plymouth Whalers were in Detroit also. So we used to go to Whalers games all the time. Um and then I got drafted to Saginaw, which was in America, too. So um, I did play half a year at, in Owen Sound at the end of my career. I got traded uh, got the deadline to Owen Sound, a team that, you know, we thought was going to be a competitor with London for the OHL championship. And uh, we kind of got upset in the second round by Kitchener. But, you know, that's a that's another <laughs> that's a story for another day. That one still eats at me, you know, 20 years later, how we lost that series. But, um, you know, yeah. The OHL is awesome. I mean, when I first went and saw, you know, 6,000 people in the stands and the way they, the guys got treated, you know, when you're 
when you're 17 years old and you're getting, you know, gear and 7,000 people in the stands and it's, it's awesome. You know, I, uh, never really contemplated going to college. Didn't really get any offers until after my first year in the OHL, I got a few offers, but, um, so it was really the OHL or nothing at that point, my first year. Um, and it was good because I, uh, got to become the starter by the end of the year, I worked my way up. So it was, uh, you know, I was basically kind of the starter in my whole career in the OHL. So it was fun. We were just kind of talking about this off the air, Pat and I. Um, how much contact did you have with the Bruins organization after they drafted you, like through college and stuff? Yeah, I mean, uh, with my agent. Um, my agent was based out of Boston, so he would, you know, keep me in touch and stuff and of what was going on. I know they – my year, they – the year before my year, they drafted a goalie, I want to say from Boston College, and it was like between me or him who they were going to sign. So it was like up in the air. Um and then I ended up signing and, you know, it was awesome. I played in Providence a little bit, bounced around the East coast a lot. I mean, they just had a pool of goalies that were awesome. Um, I talked to the LA Kings a lot. I kind of thought they were the team that was going to be there. And they actually drafted my rival. Uh, Ryan Muntz was kind of the other goalie in the OHL that was on the draft board with me and they drafted him in the third round. So that kind of ate at me a little bit, but that's who I thought was going to draft me. And then, it's weird because my, my dad's from Boston. So he was always thinking like, that'd be awesome to do it, but it was just tough. It's like getting drafted to a team. You know, if you're a quarterback and you know, they got Tom Brady, it's just like, there's, there's nowhere to go. You know, there's only two goalies and really nowhere to go. Um, there's a lot of prospects. Hanu Toivonen was there at the time. And, you know, Tim Thomas came out of nowhere because of the whole Andrew Raycroft holding out story. So it's, they got a lot of goalies in Boston, no doubt about it. Well, what I wanted to ask you was, is it, it seemed like right when you turned pro, you're coming out of that NHL lockout year, and there's probably a lot of different prospects kind of clogging the system. Yeah. You know, now guys that hadn't been able to move up or down or anything. Tell us, you you, you played two games in the AHL that year, three games in the ECHL for South Carolina, and then 18 for Dayton. How, how did that affect you that first pro year? Oh, it was tough. I mean, I, I started the year, my first pro game was in South Carolina. And then I got called up to Providence. I backed up a lot. I mean, there were some injuries, but I did a lot of backing up that first year. And then I went to Dayton. I got traded to Dayton when I was in Providence for too long. They got a second goalie in South Carolina. So I got traded to Dayton or sent to Dayton, whatever you want to call it. And we weren't very good in Dayton. Um, and it was just a you know tougher city to live in, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And yeah, my first year I was bouncing around. I really didn't know too much. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, you're 20 years old also when you're pro and you get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of money signing bonus and you're just young. You're kind of stupid. You don't know really what's going on. You know, I always tell younger players, you know, you got to think about it this way as a prospect, right? If you're, if you go to the OHL, uh, major junior, whatever, and you're, you turn 20, you know, and you sign at 20, you've got from 20 to 23 to prove that you're a prospect. If you go to college, You've got basically from 18 to 23 in college and then from 23 to 26 years old to prove your prospects. So you got an extra three years uh, of, of developing your mind, your, your body to show that you're a prospect. Because when I was 23, they didn't consider me a prospect anymore. You know what I mean? Even though I was only 23 years old and guys are coming out of college at 23 years old. You know what I mean? They just see from 20 to 23, he didn't do much. And, you know, we're going to just kind of toss him away. So if you go to college, you get out of college when you're 22 you know, when you're a hockey player, you do your four years and then you show them, you know, from 22, 23 to 25, 26 years old. It's just you're you're three years older, you're three years smarter. You've done your party and in college. So it's, uh, you know, 
there's different ways to look at it. If you're a top prospect, yeah, the major junior is awesome. If you're one of those mid-round guys, you know, maybe college is the best route just because you're a little older, you get your full ride. If you don't make it after hockey, you've got your, you know, you've got your, uh, the, you know, degree, that kind of thing. But, you know, I can't, I can't complain. It was fun. Did you, did you ever go back to school, Mike? You ever? No, no, huh? no, nope. no. I, uh, retired, you know, not money retired, just retired from the game <laughs> at 30 years old. And, uh, I'm uh, actually turning 38 uh, Saturday, this Saturday. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, eight years and just been doing the whole car thing since. And it's been going well. Um, you know, it's a job where if you work hard, you, you make you can make good money it's the harder you work kind of thing. So that's kind of my MO. I like that. You know, if you work hard, you'll you'll get, you know, rewarded instead of a, a nine to five salary type thing. But that's just what I like personally. Um, just looking at your records here, you know what I mean? It looks like you have. <laughs> Another couple of years with the Boston Bruins organization. How how does it boil down for you with them? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I my last year there, I uh, Jordan Sigalet, who was the starter at the time, um, he's got multiple sclerosis. Long story short, um, fireworks went off. I, I believe where was it? it? Might have been at home actually. Fireworks went off, and the smoke caused him to have an episode. He actually fell on the ice and had a. Uh, uh, I don't know if he passed out or if he, you know, something happened where he fell on the ice. He was literally, the buzzer went off. The puck was at the other end of the ice. He looked down at him and he was flat on his back, like out cold. So I became the starter for, I think it was eight games in a row. And I think I went like six, one and one, something like that. Uh, six wins, one loss, one uh, overtime loss. And then just basically he came back and I never got a shot again. So, I mean, I, we were the number one team in the league that year. Um, my record in the league's pretty good. It's just I never really got a shot. You know, it's I don't know. I mean, I you know, I think everybody's got that story. I never really got a shot or never really got a shot, but it's tough just because I played well when I was there. And um, you know, I think uh I think honestly, if you look myself if I look myself in the mirror, if I partied a little bit too much, I was too young um to understand the whole thing. And I think that kind of irked a couple of the Bruins people. Um, and I never really got a shot after that. And then you know, the rest of the career is what it is. Went to Germany after that and stuff. So, yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool trip that you make after. I mean, you really start to bounce around after that. And, you know, you must have had a lot of different experiences, like, you know, out on the road. Where was, where was your favorite place to play between, you know, when you moved on? I'll be honest with you. My favorite place is probably Louisiana. I played for the Louisiana Ice Skaters in the SPHL. Right. Um, right. It was a time in my life, too, where I kind of needed a change, like just, you know, from outside hockey and stuff. And I was I was actually playing like Rio Grande in the CHL or something. It was it was terrible. It was horrible. And I got uh, trade. I knew somebody in uh, actually uh, Jace J. Hill, who uh, played for Dayton forever. Uh, he was in um, Louisiana. And the end of that year was the most fun I've ever had. We lived on a college campus. We played at the Cajun Dome, which is like a 10,000 seat arena. It was so fun. Louisiana is probably my favorite state I've ever been in. Um, you know, so in terms of hockey, I'd say Louisiana has been the best place. Alaska was fun too. Um, just, uh, just being up there and saying like, yeah, I got to live in Alaska. We went snowmobiling, skiing up there. It was awesome. So probably those cities. And then uh, I played in Germany for that one year. The city I was in Germany was, it wasn't the greatest city. It wasn't like a Munich or one of those big cities, but it was an eye opening experience too. I got to travel to Italy and stuff like that. And, uh, France, uh, but uh, and then I played in Australia for a year too, which was a <laughs> that was a that was a year. <laughs> I, um, 
I actually know Lafayette, Louisiana, a very little bit from 25 years ago or so. I went to a, okay. a high school basketball tournament there when the when the ice skaters were actually at the height of their popularity. Late yes, night, late yep. night, and I remember, dude. It's actually a crazy town. We we were staying at the Hilton. That's like down that big Hilton. That's like down the road. There's a Shoney's right there, and it's like uh-huh. kind of down the road, right? And ZZ Top comes in, <laughs> and it was just like everybody in the lobby goes crazy. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a wild moment to be like in the middle of the bayou and have ZZ Top running. Oh yeah, hotel. The, lobby peop- and- the people of Louisiana are the best too. Yeah, it's, that was my favorite place for sure. I for enjoyed sure. the food too back then. Oh yeah, the food, food, the people, Mardi Gras. I mean, it, it's I still talk to people down there. It's awesome. And then yeah, you you went to Australia. That's an interesting league that I think uh, some of our listeners are going to be familiar with because some of the guys do go down there, but why don't you tell people a little more about it, right? It's kind of like a pro-am league and they set you up. Yeah. yeah. How does it work? Yeah. yeah. So I played for Canberra, uh, which is actually the capital of Australia. I didn't know that at the time, but it's, uh, it's like the Washington DC of, uh, of, of Australia. And uh, yeah, I don't even know how it happened. I kind of got a call one day if I wanted to play. So our summer is their winter. Um, so during our, our summer, after I was done in, wherever I was playing, I flew to Canberra and, uh, yeah, there was four imports per team. We lived in a house, uh, together. We got a car. Um, we didn't get paid by the team, but they paid for our housing. Um, we got a job. So we basically, you know, I worked as like a bartender type thing, uh, you know, waiting, you know, waiting for games and, uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, we got to travel the country, uh, again, they don't pay you, but they, they pay for ice time. They pay for everything you're living, um, they gave us a car. We got to go to like Perth and Sydney and Melbourne and uh, Gold Coast. We went on vacation. The only time I've ever been scuba diving was on the Barrier Reef. So, I mean, I that's not a bad place to start. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it was fun. Yeah, it was. I would give any player that's kind of at the end of their career just looking for a, a cool story. If you don't have kids, you don't have a girlfriend, you don't have a wife shoot out there for a year because it was awesome and um it's getting bigger and bigger that they're trying to make it bigger for the country i saw they've got nhl games exhibition games going to melbourne like next year or something Um, what's funny too is when i got there i've got pictures too they don't even have glass in about 90 percent of the rinks i know so melbourne's the only rink that was really actually like a rink rink like they've got like netting if it hits the netting it's out of bounds and like They've got chain link fence behind the nets that it's weird. It was wild when I first got there. I'm like, so if you get hit into the boards, you basically have no glass to bounce off of. You're just going to break your hip or something, or guys are flying <laughs> in the crowd when they get hit. It was, it was pretty wild, but we packed the place. I mean, it was like a 2000 seat arena. We used to pack it for nights and it was fun to play and no doubt about it. And when you're over there, um, like, it's it's pretty competitive because it's the off season of our league, right? Like yeah. our winter yeah. hockey, they they play in the, the kind of off season, correct? Over there, and that that definitely been guys, uh, definitely been guys from the federal league that yeah gone there. Yeah, there have been. Um, I know, you know, the league's getting better because it's all about because you're only allowed at the time. I don't know now, but you were allowed four imports, so four players from not from Australia. So. There's a lot of pressure on those poor guys because the Australians uh, on some teams, like even our team, they just, you know, weren't up to like American Canadian hockey, you know, standards. Um, some teams were like Melbourne and those teams because they got big cities to, to pull from. I mean, Melbourne's a million people city. Canberra was like 50,000, 40,000. So there's a, there's a bigger pool to pull from. Um, 
But now I don't know what, how many imports they're allowed, but I know the league's trying to get bigger. And with the NHL exhibition game there, put a spotlight on it. But I know, like, uh, whatever the airline is there, they're trying to sponsor the league. Like, you know, I mean, we'd fly to Perth, which is like six hours away on the other side of the country. So, you know, they're, they're flying places. So it was fun. No doubt about it. Yeah, Matt Punterary would be a guy who played over there, yeah. I think, or in New Zealand, and uh, Casey Mignon, who who played yep. for uh, he played for I think he played for uh, Cape Cod, and he played for some. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if any player has the opportunity to do it, and they're in the right point in their life, definitely, I, I recommend it highly. You know, this New Zealand league too. I didn't know a ton about that, but you know, the Australia league for sure. So it's a good place to kind of pick up your Danbury story. So right after that is when you ended up here in the Hat City. And why don't you give people a little bit of background? Where, where were you at? Where was that point in your career? You just had fun in Australia, but where, where, were, yep. you, where were you What were you thinking about at that point? Yeah, so I was I was looking at SPHL teams and, you know, wasn't, you know, again, I played good in the SPHL. I just come off of, uh, you know, Louisiana Fayetteville season and I just set the record for like most games played or most saves or both or something in league history. And I wasn't getting a lot of, a lot of action from it. Um, and I'd always heard the name Danbury, 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 like in the background for the federal league, but I, you know, hadn't heard great things about the federal league. So I was trying to stay away. And then I just kind of talked to the, if I was going anywhere, it was going to be to Danbury just because I'd heard that they had good fans there, good rink, good setup, that kind of thing. And I uh, talked a little bit to the team and, and ended up signing. And uh, my first time there, you know, was when I signed and just kind of just got there for the season. So I'd never been to Danbury, Connecticut before that. Um, but, but I loved my time there. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I mean, the fans obviously are awesome. The rank, the setup, the locker room. I mean, the locker room is like, I think the locker room is better than our AHL setup was in Providence at the time. I mean, it's, it's probably better now in Providence, but I think that locker room was awesome. It's nice to have a good place to come into. That's, that's a big drawing point to the team is, is how nice that room is and how you can come in every day and, uh, you're not in like a minor league hockey team, you know, you're not in like a, not, not minor league, but like kids hockey or, you know, locker room every day. You're in a really nice rank and um, get to play on the main rank all day and have good fans and good teams. So, uh, and you're not too far away from the other teams where I know some of these teams now, like there's Carolinas in the league right now, like, right. Like those are, yeah. those are long trips, I'm sure for the boys. So it's, it's tough to be on some of those teams. I'm sure. There's so many teams down South. I'm wondering if you got yep. any polls. If you got any calls from any teams looking for no no i'm done no never again nope i will uh i'll play in like a uh <laughs> there's a 10-year anniversary game or something maybe but uh, other than that i'm living on the beach here uh not putting skates on i don't even know where my pads are that that's uh, the problem <laughs> so take us through that season i mean where did you live when you were up here how, how quickly did you get adjusted what do you remember about that year the year we won yeah i mean you know i remember I, it's funny too because on like my Facebook stuff, I'll get like, you know, reminders or memories of like that season, and and I remember you know Dayton was was the team to beat that year, and we you know every time we played them, it was a it was a battle, and I mean we we had games where we would be down to fourteen players, thirteen players, and we would battle through it, and I just knew there was something special about this team, um, at the time, and it, but Dayton was definitely the number one seed, number one seed to beat, um. And then in the playoffs, we went into Dayton and we won game one and then we won game two. And on that bus ride home, it was like, we've got to close this thing out at home. There was, I mean, we were happy, but there was no celebration. I mean, the fact that we could take two in Dayton uh, and then game three was a best of five at the time. And um, 
then we, we, you know, we're at home and it's a sold out arena. And, you know, we said we got to get it done tonight because if we give them one, you know, that we've got a, we got a series again. And the boys came to play that, that third game. I mean, we scored six goals that night. I made my job easy. And I mean, every time I'd give up a goal to make it like three, one or something, and they'd be coming back, we'd score to make it four, one or whatever, whatever it might be. I don't remember exactly what the game in game three was, but it, every time I remember, you know, giving up a goal being like, you can't give up another one. We would score. And that's as a goalie, that's amazing when you're, you know, you give up a goal and you're just like, all right, you can't give up another one here. You know, you can't let them catch up. And then the boys get one for you. Uh, it did that, that game just played itself out. Right. And then, you know, I remember coming in and they've got all the, <laughs> all the locker rooms taped up for the champagne spray and stuff before the third period. And it's like, Oh, you know, this is <laughs> bad luck kind of thing, but we, we pulled through and the party after was awesome. I remember, uh, I think we partied for like a week after we went <laughs> St. Patrick's Day Parade. I don't barely remember that thing. And I remember we were sitting on the back. I was like puking off the parade float. But it was, uh, yeah, it was fun. And I can't believe they haven't won one since. I've been kind of trying to keep up a little bit on the league, just on teams a little bit. And I know they've been, they've had good teams. So I can't believe they haven't won one since. But, um, you know, maybe this year, I guess, right? They're, yeah, they're so, up. There, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. So far, they've been in first place and they're holding on to it pretty tight. So, it's a lot more hockey to play, though. Yeah, and playoffs are a whole different animal. I mean, uh, you know, the third, our third, what year was it? The second year, one of the years we were the top seed, and and we were rolling. I mean, I think it was the second year we were rolling, and then I got hurt uh, in the finals in game three. Yeah, right. It was a game three. Yeah, I got, I tore my, uh, I tore my like my groin muscle there, and tried to play in game five, and just, I, you know, I. I I thought I'd be able to go, you know, what do we do? We won game one and two, and then we were up one, nothing in game three. And then I tore my, my groin and we lost game three in Dayton, game four in Dayton, and then game five at home. I think that was the second year. Um, but that one hurt. That one stung too. <laughs> so I had to come back for my third year. I couldn't let it go out like that. Was it, was that your kind of hope was to go out winning championships type of thing? Is that where it came down? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I thought about retiring at the end of the second year, but literally like that was the you couldn't have made a worse story you know you you win game one game two you're up one nothing in game three to win this to win the cup again and then you tear you you know you get injured and you can't finish game three you can't finish game you can't play in game four and i tried to play in game five because they pushed it a week uh so i had about a, a seven day break and i just uh i tried to go but i just i wasn't i wasn't myself i they scored an early one and i was just out of it and you know, I got pulled in that one, and Espo will tell you I wasn't real happy with them for pulling me after that. I think it was the second period, but at that time it was over. I mean, you know, so I had to come back for my third year just because I couldn't go out like that. I mean, that that's just a miserable way to go out. So, um, tried to go in the third year, and and that was it. What did you, um, what made you really decide just to hang it up there? I mean, do you, do you, were you still getting calls from teams around the league? Cause it's, a you know, I mean, it, you know, it was just, it was time. I mean, I just turned 30. Um, at the time I was living with, uh, my girlfriend who lives in the city and it was just time, uh, to, to move on and, uh, let the younger guys play. I mean, you know, you're not making a ton of money in that league. Guys are battling daily. They're getting pucks to the face. There's no trainers. I mean, you know, I see some of these brawls down there and I'm like, man, these guys are getting paid peanuts to, to, to and they're putting their, their faces on the line. I, it's, it's wild. I, you know, you know, being 37, 38 now, it's like, tone it down, boys. <laughs> like, but you can't tell a hockey player to ever tone it down. But, 
you know, you're, you're not getting paid enough to like have your orbital bones out there for the, to get punched in the face. But yeah, I just turned 30 and I was, it was just time for me. I was trying to get into the car sales thing and, uh, needed to make a little bit more money in my life at that point. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I did. It was a good time to get out and, um, you know, give it to somebody else and let the, let the league continue from there. But I'm, I'm happy with my career. I mean, it's what a lot of what ifs out there. Um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, you got drafted by the Bruins. It's like, yeah, but I'm never like happy about it. It's one of those things where I wish I was a little happier about talking about it because it's one of those things where I just wish I had gotten a little bit more of an opportunity, a couple more games. I mean, uh, I mean, you look at, uh, uh, who's the goalie for St. Louis there. That was with Boston. Uh, he won. Who? Not Bennington. Bennington. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, so he was with Providence there and then, um, you know, he was like a fifth rounder and then, you know, he kind of just got his, he got his opportunities and he kind of made it up to the NHL. Scott Darling, uh, Scott Darling, I played with him in Louisiana. I mean, you know, he got his second shot and made the most of it. So it's, you got to get your opportunities. And if you don't, you know, you can't do anything with, we can't do anything with nothing. So. Of course. And then I want to ask you, you know, what was one of your favorite memories from that season season, whether it be, you know, just winning that game three, or even there was some game where some crazy stuff kind of happened in that. For for that season, oh boy, yeah. I mean, I obviously the end, uh, winning game three. I mean, like I said, my memory of game three is just like giving up a goal and the boys scored. I think it was in the second period. Like we scored another one late in the second to like really put it away, or maybe it was early in the third or something. But we put one away, and I was like, it's over. You know, I think we made it five to two at that point, and it was like, it's over. You know what I mean? And then it was awesome, or six to two. And they scored to make it six three, I think is what happened. Um, but at that point, I mean, but we just – we had a lot of battles. I mean, every every athlete will tell you they missed the locker room. They missed the bus trips uh, with the boys. I mean, I missed that stuff a ton. You know, even playing a game on a Friday night and having a 12-hour bus ride to – to Danville, you know, with a Saturday night game. I mean, you miss that stuff with the boys. So uh, that's the stuff I miss. You know, the hockey is hockey everywhere, but you miss those uh, relationships with the boys and the team and uh, all that fun stuff, living with the guys again and just being young. You have no, you know, no worries in the world, really. You're just playing hockey and, you know, real life is kind of, you're pushing it down the road a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of bring things to a close here, I want to ask, what is something that you would tell this current Danbury team to, you know, get prepared for a possible <laughs> run at this year's yeah. cup, you know, given, I mean, you as you saw, experience? as you saw, yeah, as you saw with our year, I mean, Dayton was the number one seed in the, in the regular season, the playoffs are a whole nother animal. I mean, it's, you got to prepare. And I think that, you know, you got to prepare your team for that. You got to make sure they've got enough rest. The guys that are injured that maybe they rest a little bit more to get ready for the playoffs. Cause if they're the number one seed right now, I mean, as you see in football, these guys that are injured, maybe you hold them out a little bit at the end just to get ready for that playoff run because, you know, it's quick, though. I mean, in, in the federal league, I mean, there's only a couple rounds, so it's quick. You can be out real fast or you can be in the finals real fast. So it's you got to be prepared, and uh, but enjoy the journey. I mean, you got to enjoy the ride. You're playing hockey, not getting paid a ton of money to do it. You got to enjoy the ride while you're there. Or what are you doing there? You know, you're not getting paid a ton. You you know, so you've got to enjoy the ride with the boys. And if the team is tight like we were our first year, um, you know, they'll be fine. But it's you got to go through with some adversity at some point, too. We did a lot of adversity that first year and it helped us win in Dayton that 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 
uh, you know, we I think we beat Watertown in the first round and then Dayton in the finals or whatever. And um, having a little bit of adversity there will definitely help them, hopefully. And hopefully they get another championship because, you know, 10 years, 10 year anniversary, that'd be awesome, right? Exactly. It'd be the perfect scenario. And, you know, we have the alumni game coming up on the 18th. Got any plans oh, really? to come up? In March? Yeah, this month. On the oh, I didn't know that. Oh, snap. Well, I know it's very last second, but would you make any plans <laughs> to come up? <laughs> I will probably not be up. No, I, uh, what is today? The third? No, four, second. The second, second. Yeah, yeah, second no, one we're uh, recording this. Yeah, no, I, I'll probably be on the beach. Yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I don't blame yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know there was an alumni game. Shoot. Yeah, I would have been. I would have tried to get up there if I had known a little. Um, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's that, or you know, when we win this thing, maybe come ten years. That. There we go for the party. I'll be up for the party when we win. How's that? There we go. <laughs> That'd be perfect. All right, cool. Any last one? Mike, it was good speaking to you. I hope we see you up here sometime for either awesome, one of those guys. things. Absolutely, and, and tell the boys to win another one this year for me. How's that? We will. All Thank right, you, Mike. guys.